respect, provide for patients' nutritional needs and have appropriate staffing levels and proper record-keeping. Hospital bosses say they have reviewed staffing levels since the CQC's visit in a bid to ensure patients' needs are met. Ministers are preparing to announce more help for working parents to meet the costs of childcare. From 2015, those earning less than £150,000 each will receive up to £1,200 a year for each child. Wellin and Hatfield's decision to spend its share of the Porter's pilot money on a portable stage is coming in for widespread criticism this morning. The Borough Council has spent £27,000 on the equipment, which will cost a further £600 every time it's used and dismantled. They say the expense is justified as it'll be the centrepiece for crowd-pulling events and festivals. But these Hatfield residents aren't convinced. They need to sort out the rat problems, the repairs before they put up stupid things like a stage that's not needed. They need to spend it on housing repairs, tidying up Hatfield, not putting things in that's probably going to get wrecked within 10 minutes anyway. They need events to happen in the town centre and nothing happens right now with the exception of the market so we can draw people into the centre town centre and create business for the shops that are there. There's nothing here to attract. What you're coming to see, the biggest thing we've got in Hatfield is Asta. Scratch and sniff cards are Hertfordshire Police's latest weapons in the fight against drug crime. The force is teaming up with Crime Stoppers to get more of us to recognise the smell of cannabis in the hope it'll lead to more reports of its use and cultivation. More on this story with Ian Lee coming up next. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons will be without skipper Dean Lewington for tonight's League One match at Crewe. He was injured in Saturday's win over Tranmere. The weather, sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later on, along with the top temperature of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport on Line at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. How much do they spend on this stage? Quite a lot of money. What? What's wrong with a couple of milk bottle crates and a bit of wood and then plugging a microphone into your, your stereo system? Hey, we can put on our own show. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Maybe later. Yeah, mate, I'll see you after this. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Apologies for not being here yesterday. Thank you to Justin Dealey. I, d- I don't like it when Justin fills in, he's too good. Can we not get someone who's rubbish to fill in? Because there's always part of me going, yeah, the, the, listener, the listener probably prefers JD and his matey banter. All right, girls, morning, girls, this morning, girls. Uh, just, you know, just, it's just a thought. Anyway, Justin, thank you very much for filling in. Car trouble, isn't it? Car trouble. And then an argument with a cab driver. Oh, I had a Barney with a cab driver outside my house. Yeah, he'll be, there in, he'll be there in 10 minutes. 30 minutes later, he'd not turned up. I'm on the phone to the cab driver. Where are you? I'm, I'm in your street. I can see your house. I said, jog on, mate. I'm stood in my street. I can see the entire road. There are no cars here. I can see you, he says. I can see you. Honestly, I can see you. I said, where? I, I'm looking at you now. Three minutes later, a car pulled around the corner. I know. And I said to him, I tell you what, mate. You can get lost. I, I may, I may have used indoor language outside. I and I, it, it's not professional, but I did it. And then he, then he sat outside my house for twenty-five minutes. We haven't got any curtains either. It's all a bit into. Any doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I nearly got killed by a cab driver. It's fine. I'm here this morning, and boy, oh boy, have we got lots of stuff on the show. As always, keen to get your opinions on these stories. I'll give you the contact details in a bit. First of all, have a listen to the menu and see if there's anything that t- tickles your fancy. We're going to find out why a Stevenage woman says her life has been ruined after she was prosecuted but cleared of deception and theft. Now, hands up who knows what cannabis smells like. Anyone? Anyone? Just me then. Well, Hertfordshire Police is going to be handing out scratch and sniff cards to help them detect cannabis farms. 
And as you heard in the news, £27,000 is being spent on a portable stage as part of improvements to Hatfield. Good idea for a complete waste of money. You can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can send me a cheeky text if you want. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Or the entire switchboard is clear. Why don't you give me a call now? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire woman says her life as a carer has been ruined after two future employers were told she was taken to court for deception, even though she was cleared of committing any offence. Lorraine Nugent from Stevenage says criminal record checks led to the job offers being withdrawn because of her court appearance. Well, we'll speak to Lorraine in an hour's time. If something similar has happened to you, uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning. 08459 455 555. Her case raises some of the problems employers face when considering whether applicants are suitable for a position. Well, Sheila Taylor is Chief Executive of Crossroads Care, Hertfordshire North. Morning, Sheila. Good morning, Ian. Sheila, what issues do you take into account when employing someone? Um, Okay, well, what we are is we're a regulated um, profession, which means that we're governed by the Care Quality Commission. And the checks are really quite rigorous in order to become somebody who works with the vulnerable, the frail, the elderly and children. Um, For example, you have the right to work. We have to check that you've got that. We have to check your references. We have to check your health conditions. And we have to check if you've got a disclosure and barring service check, which is the old CRB. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of the CRB. I I'm, was, was arguing in their favour just a few weeks ago. But if something like this pops up, a court case where she was found not guilty, that, that's a, a, an odd one. Would you take that into consideration? Um, I think that what it, if anything is, it comes up on, a, on a, uh, an old CRB, on a DBS check, it's something that, of course, we have to look at. But it's part of what we look at. It's not the whole thing. Because people are human. Something can happen in your youth. Um, which may come up on that check. And to be honest, the police can put anything, any contact with the police whatsoever, Mm. uh, which doesn't sound quite right, but it is something that they do. But if someone was cleared of an offence at court, you, you don't need to know about that, do you? Well, I think the police take a view that if they've got any contact with anybody, then they put it on the form. I'm not saying it's correct. But it, uh, it's what happens, and I think it's more a case of, well, put everything um, so that when you're making a choice about employing somebody with vulnerable people, that you're making the right choices. Is there a danger, perhaps, of a, a, an employer thinking, you know, there's no smoke without fire if, if something like that pops up? Uh, well, that's something you shouldn't do. It's always a question of talking to the applicant. I mean, clearly, when an applicant comes to us, they know that they're going to be enhanced CRB checked, which means that we're going to be talking to the local police stations that have dealt with you. And then it's a case of working with them if something is disclosed. So you definitely don't discriminate against it. And we would definitely sit down with that applicant. It's a conditional offer. And part of that conditional offer is that we chat about what's happened to them in the past. Do you think the system works well in general, Sheila? Um, I think it does. I think if you're careful as an employer and that you do work with your applicant, and if you've got a good applicant, then it shouldn't be something that prevents them from working in care. Uh, How much responsibility is there on the employee, do you think? I think the employee really needs to know that if you've had any contact whatsoever with the police, even though you haven't been convicted or cautioned, that it might show up. And I think when you're at an interview with somebody who, and you want to work in a vulnerable, um, working with vulnerable people, please tell your prospective employer. Because if you don't, and then it comes up on the, C- on the CRB check later, it could be embarrassing. 
Would you have any sympathy for someone in, in, in this position who's, who's gone to court, been found not guilty, so they've, they've not committed a crime, um, but yet they're, they're struggling to get work because they went to court? Yes, I would really, because, um, but I think everybody in this profession needs to understand how it is. And I, I would be surprised if actually that's been the only thing that they've taken into account. Um, because as I say, there are several things that you take into account um, before you actually employ somebody. So I wouldn't want it to be something that completely bars um, people who are, you know, from working in care. Well, goodness knows, we need people mm. in care, you know. And it's more about your values, your philosophy, what you are like working with the elderly, frail and vulnerable. Sheila, um, I appreciate speaking to you at this time of the morning. I know it's, uh, it's, it's bright and early, but thank you. Sheila Taylor, Chief Exec of Crossroads Care, Hertfordshire North. Well, we'll be speaking to Lorraine Nugent from Stevenage a little bit later on. Uh, it shows up on her CRB that she uh, went to court for deception. But she was cleared of committing any offence, and she claims because of that, she's had two job offers withdrawn. We'll ask her if there's anything else going uh, that, that, that may have cropped up in this CRB that, that, that perhaps could have caused that. What do you think? I, if you remember, maybe about a month ago, I was banging defence of uh, 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 the, the CRB. I think, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. But if things like this are popping up, well, you've been to court, but you're, you've been proven not guilty... And they're affecting jobs. That that can't be right, can it? Has it happened to you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And do you have any sympathy for this uh, Lorraine Nugent? Have you got any sympathy, or do you kind of think, well, maybe there was something dodgy going on? I mean, she's, it's been proved that there hasn't. But no smoke without fire. Is that what you would think as a prospective employer? Is that fair? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll speak to Lorraine in about an hour's time and get her side of the story. A little bit of Glen Campbell and Bobby Gentry. Yes, please. It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds And the ink stains that are dried upon some line That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory It keeps you ever gentle on my mind It's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on their columns now that bind me Or something that somebody said Because they thought we fit together walking It's just knowing that the world will not be cursing or forgiving When I walk along some railroad track and find That you're moving on the back roads by the rivers of my memory And for hours you're just gentle on my mind Though the wheat fields and the clotheslines and the junkyards and the highways come between us And some other woman's crying to her mother cause she turned and I was gone I still might run in silence, tears of joy might stain my face And a summer sun might burn me till I'm blind but not to where I cannot see you walking on the back roads By the rivers flowing gentle on my mind 
I dip my cup of soup back from a gurgling, crackling cauldron in some train yard. My beard a roughening coal pile and a dirty hat pulled low across my face. Through cupped hands round the tin can, I pretend to hold you to my breast and find that you're awaiting from the back roads by the rivers of my memories, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. There was no Bobby Gentry there. I apologise if I whetted your appetite for Ms Gentry. Uh, she wasn't there, of course. Lovely bit of Glen Campbell. I mean, I'm in a, uh, I'm going through a bit of a Glen Campbell thing at the moment. I'm trying to educate my boys in the ways of Glen Campbell. I, it, it's not quite working. They're they're more obsessed with um, Postman Pat at the moment. Uh, and the I've got them listening to the Partridge Family. My three-year-old knows all the words to "I Think I Love You," which is which I. Pfft, I don't know if that's if that's cool or sad. Probably the latter. I, I don't, don't worry. I'm going to work on their musical education, including the Beach Boys. Speaking of which, I wish I had a handy seven million pounds to spend. A whole warehouse full of Beach Boys stuff has been found, including handwritten lyrics, signed contracts, let loads of stuff. It's up for sale. Seven million quid. The lot. Seven million quid. I wonder if I could get a loan from BBC Three Counties. It would be a, a, a good investment. Let me tell you that. Right, coming up to 6.15, here's the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Traffic is still moving well across the county this morning. On the M25, there's a speed restriction of 50 miles an hour between Junction 23 for South Mims and 25 for Enfield for roadworks. And in Milton Keynes Village, Tongwell Street is shut for a surfacing work around the junction for Lindisfarne Drive. Apart from that, though, no reports of any other problems and I can't spot any delays on my speed sensors and the trains all seem to be running fine. Brooke Burford, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Thank you, Brooke. Man, I wish I had some speed sensors. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.15, it's Tuesday the 19th of March, and these are your headlines this morning. A Hertfordshire care worker says her career's in ruins after police told prospective employers she'd been prosecuted for theft even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. In sport, Rio Ferdinand is rubbishing suggestions he's ended his international career by pulling out of the squad for the World Cup qualifiers this week. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later, along with a top temperature of 7 degrees. Coming up, do you know what cannabis smells like? Hertfordshire police want you to scratch and sniff out cannabis farms. Farms, we'll find out more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems. On BBC Three Counties Radio. My son took it uh, back to the, the garage. The mechanic says, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do, and the car was still the same, still doing the same thing. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you. It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. 
The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Can I just say, if you've never listened to the JVS Show or the Consumer Hour, I, I know a lot of people, I love consumers, I love Watchdog, I love Rogue Traders, I love all of that stuff, I love the Consumer Hour. And if you think, uh, do you know what, it's, it's not really for me, I don't, I don't really care about someone's... Uh, hot tub that that, that that didn't get made or that, that someone's got a wonky door trust me it's brilliant go to the bbc iplayer get yesterday's show and go in it's about two hours 30 minutes in okay and listen to jonathan and tim is his uh, little sidekick you'll hate me for calling him that uh, go and listen to them talking about a dating website two hours 30 on yesterday's show it is without a doubt well, it's the funniest bit of radio I've heard this year. Probably the funniest bit of radio I've heard in uh, at least a year. It is wonderful how those two manage to keep a straight face while they're talking about this dating website. I have no idea. Yesterday's JBS show, two hours 30 in. Oh, I kept listening and listen. I listened to it five times last night. Absolutely wonderful. I play the street life because there's no place I can go.
interesting we're playing a song that that could be um, linked with uh, prostitutes and drug crime i think i think that's what randy crawford is singing that that is what street life is isn't it it's not like milkman and postman it's 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 drugs and prostitutes isn't it well we are talking about drugs now do you know what cannabis smells like don't answer that don't answer that hertfordshire police want you to scratch and sniff out cannabis farms crime stoppers has joined forces with officers in a campaign to tackle cannabis cultivation by distributing scratch and sniff cards to the public calm down everybody i've checked you can't get high on them and boy, oh boy, did I check. Now, Justin Dealey is following us, following this story for us this morning. Justin, whereabouts are you and what's going on? Well, Ian, I'm in Luton this morning. This is quite a fascinating idea. Um, this idea is to help people recognise the smell of cannabis whilst it's growing. Wowzers. Uh, there is the key point for you, so they can detect these cannabis farms more easily. 104 farms were found in Hertfordshire between 2010 and 2012 alone. So, so Hearts Police, with a number of forces across the country, they're launching this campaign campaign to tackle the problem. Now, what they're going to be doing is giving out 2,000 of these scratch-and-sniff cards, which sound quite exciting. Now, they contain an element that replicates the smell of cannabis in its growing state. I'm sure a number of people would say, I know what cannabis smells like. I've, I've probably been to a concert somewhere <laughs> and they've heard it. You know, they've heard people talking about it, they can sniff it. But they're I've been talking to about a this. concert somewhere, come on! <laughs> but they're talking about this yes. in its growing state. Now, quite yes, what that yes. smells like. I don't know, but um, no. this isn't how it's But you've been to a concert somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, we've you, all been to a concert you, somewhere. You know what I mean. You yes. know what I mean. Yes. So the key element is yes. you smell it uh, before it's burning, and then you can identify what maybe one of these cannabis farms may smell like. Uh, the cards have information on them, um, so you can pass that on, and hopefully detect these farms somewhere. Well, give us give us some of the things we should be looking out for if we want to go and, and, and find these cannabis farms. Well, apparently, according to uh, my research, it's uh, a strong... At a concert yeah. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong and st- sickly sweet smell. Yes. Uh, constantly covered or, or blocked off windows. This is what you're looking for when it comes to farms. So the, yes. the, the blocked off windows and houses. Uh, also people coming and going at unsociable hours. Uh, a strong and constant lighting day and night. High levels of heat and condensation. And also a constant buzz of ventilation. So those are the things that you should be looking out for if you think there could be a cannabis farm near you, potentially, next door to you. One well. of the things as well is, uh, and I, I, I'm, did, was it a phone to my show or someone um, is a sunken roof because if they have it up in the loft it absorbs all the moisture so the roof sinks well, th- th- there's loads of things you can be looking out for. You may have seen oh. these helicopters w- which go above houses. What yeah, I've seen those, for, yeah. yeah. The ones that go above houses, yeah? <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen ones, those yeah. ones, yeah. yeah. W- what they're looking to do, they're, they're going down on, on these homes looking for lights so they can actually detect uh, these lights through somebody's roof and then they can obviously have that ray. But you do hear these stories, you know, people w- with these cannabis farms uh, that could be near you. How much of a problem is cannabis cultivation, Justin? Well, the police and crime stoppers, they say it's a growing crime which has seen a 15% increase in cannabis factories in 2011 to 2012. Over the last two years, police forces have seized over one million cannabis plants with an estimated value of over £200 million. It's a big problem. Uh, Crime stoppers say that criminal groups who are involved in these drug crimes are also involved in other organised crimes as well. So uh, 
by finding these cannabis farms, they are finding the wider criminals. Now, they also say as well that the public often suffer financially through increased energy costs. I don't, I don't get this bit. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because what, what I suppose what they're saying is the amount of energy that's being used, there's more demand for it, that could essentially well. put the price up for other people. I don't buy that one. So, what do people do if they get these cards yes. and, and they scratch and they sniff and they think, ah, nah, there could be a cannabis farm near me. What they're saying is that you can call Crime Stoppers. Their number is 0800 555 or you can follow this new campaign. It's launching today. You can go on Twitter and use the hashtag WeedTheSigns. Oh, they've got, that's clever. They've got a hashtag. Mm, you hashtag, see? yes. And now, Justin, I believe we've given you a couple of what I think are called spliffs and you're going to take them to the people of Luton <laughs> to get them to get No, you're not. No, I'm joking, no, no, of course. No, no, no. I'm joking. Uh, it, well, listen, it, 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 it is a very, very naughty thing to be doing stuff like this and we're making slightly light of it, but uh, it is very naughty. It'll be interesting to see uh, if, if this scratch card campaign will have any effect at all. I mean, th- they're spending a lot of money on this campaign. You're going to yep. be talking to somebody later on who thinks that it is a waste of money, but I suppose what they're saying is it's a big problem. Yep. Anything's worth a go, because I think a lot of people would be able to t- to um, smell cannabis if they're walking down the street. It's quite a distinctive smell. Once you've smelt it once, you oh, certainly I don't s- forget I it. I saw. A ge- I was in central London last week. I saw a gentleman smoking uh, uh, what was street slang, a doobie, mm. um, the, in Blimminock, just off Oxford Street. People do it. Yeah, but people know it goes on, but the difference is, and there's a big difference between the two smells, it's knowing what it smells like when it's not lit. And that's what this card is going to identify, maybe the, the, the weaker side of this, so people can detect something and then pass that information on to the police. Justin, very quickly, where are you off to next? Uh, I've got no idea. You, you tell me and I'll go. Mm, let me have a little think mm. while I listen to Manfred Mann and mm. I'll come up with something. OK. Speak to you in a bit, my darling. See you soon. Bye-bye. So you're finally
The 60s were obsessed with um, slagging off suburbia, weren't they? Is this Pleasant Valley Sunday? Loads of songs. They're all living in their semi-detached now. You can bet all of Manfred Mann are living in suburbia. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian, and good morning. In Enfield, St Andrews Road is closed for a gas leak at Southbury Road. Over in Beaconsfield, the A40 London Road into town. There is temporary lights up around the roadworks between the A355 and Potkiln Lane. And over in Luton on Hattersway, there are roadworks at Dallow Road, and that might cause some delays later. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. It's 6.30. Here's the latest news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A Hertfordshire care worker says her career's in tatters after the police told prospective employers she'd been prosecuted for theft, even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. And ministers are preparing to announce more help for working parents to meet the costs of childcare. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rio Ferdinand's rubbishing suggestions that he's ended his international career by pulling out of the squad for the World Cup qualifiers this week. The Manchester United defender withdrew due to his current training regime. The England manager Roy Hodgson says he looks forward to hopefully selecting him in the future. The FA are yet to make a decision on whether to charge Wickham's Callan McManaman for his tackle on Newcastle defender Masadio Haidara. The referee missed the incident and officials could take retrospective action against the player. MK Dons will be without skipper Dean Lewington for their League One match at Crewe tonight. He's nursing an injury sustained in Saturday's win over Tranmere. Manager Carl Robinson's looking forward to the match. He's a great admirer of Crewe's approach to football. Uh, they're a good footballer side and they're based on very strong principles and morals of a football philosophy for many, many years going back to Dario Gradi and I think he's somebody that is in football terms will go down as a legend for what he's done at that particular football club Also in League One Stephen Iger at Berry Borough will be hoping for more of the same from striker Danny Lopez after his hat-trick at the weekend his manager Gary Smith If we all get the opportunity to see him enough he's that when he gets in front of goal as you can see, you, you feel confident that he might certainly make the goalkeeper work. And you know, his third was was an absolute corker. Wickham Wanderers travel to Bradford tonight in League Two. Chairboy striker Matt McClure could return after injury, but defender Dave Winfield remains a doubt. And Luton Town midfielder Arnold Mendy is suspended for tonight's conference match at home to Stockport. It could mean that Solomon Taiwo is given his first hat to start. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. So, uh, Catherine, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything in the news bin? I don't know. I've not put anything in. You really want me to? Yeah, please, if you could. Okay, let's have a look. Sorry, I'm not quite ready. Uh, uh, oh, I can't read that. Um, uh, anything? Um, I'm ready now so I can just hit the button and we can pretend this never happened. Who knows how old it is? The High Court will decide this morning whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. Oh, is that today? No, that's ages ago. Safe paper, kids. Thank you. Hearts and Bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Catherine Boyle with... 
her news bin there, which we, we only delve into in emergencies when I'm not quite ready to continue the show and uh, be proving ever fruitful. Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour, £27,000 is being spent on a portable stage as part of improvements to Hatfield. It's part of that Portus money. Remember, a load of money was given out to some towns. Twenty-seven grand for a portable stage. Good idea or a waste of money? If you live in Hatfield, would love to get your opinion on this. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Talk to my baby on the telephone long distance. I never would have guessed I could miss someone so bad. Yeah, I really. She's good for me And it would really make me happy To never let her slip away Feel like a kid with a teenage crush On a school day She's good for me And it would really make me happy To never let her slip away I do. It reminds me of something. And I can't quite think what. It kind of just reminds me of sitting in the back of my dad's car when I was a kid. I don't know, when I was really young, I don't know, there's something there. A good memory, not one of those, uh, not a Papa John memory. Uh, it's a good memory. I've just finished reading uh, Mackenzie Phillips' um, autobiography. She's the daughter of Papa John from The Mamas and the Papas. Oh, he was a naughty man. <laughs> what a naughty man. Still wrote some cracking songs, though, didn't he? Uh, morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. I love this next story. I just think it's incredible. Do you remember the, the Mary Portas money? This money was given to a few selected towns. They got, like, 60 grand or 80 grand or bits of cash to spend 
uh, on making on rejuvenating towns, bringing the towns that were perhaps flagging slightly, bringing them back to life. Well, a decision to invest £27,000 on a portable stage as part of town centre improvements in Hatfield is being heavily criticised. The money is from the Porter's Prize winnings to regenerate local areas, and it's been used by Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council. They say it'll be used for events and fates to attract new people. Well, what do you think? If you live in Hatfield, or even if you don't, £27,000 to buy a portable stage... Good idea or bad idea? It's rumoured as well, it'll cost about 600 quid to set it up every time. The council say, well, hey, steady on, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I think they're quoting £350. So somewhere between £350 and £600 to set it up every single time. What do you think? Good idea or complete waste of money? 08459 455 555. Well, we sent our reporter Simon Watts out to speak to the good people of Hatfield and to get their opinions on it. Bad one. I think that they need to sort out the rat problems. They need to sort out the repairs before they put up stupid things like a stage that's not needed. You told me that you lived in Hatfield, but you don't anymore. No, I moved out six months ago because I couldn't stand the place anymore. It's just too dirty, too dim, too dank. I moved to Welling Garden, where at least you, the, the council in Welling Garden actually see to Welling Garden before they buy stupid things. You don't see the wisdom, and they, they're saying that it will attract uh, more people to the town centre if there are performances and events. You It'll attract more students. That's about all it's going to attract. You know, it's not going to attract the normal person because people like me, we're just not interested in that. We'd rather have a nice shops, to, somewhere to shop, uh, somewhere nice to go that where you haven't got rats running around your feet. They've got more important things to spend money on. They need to spend it on housing repairs, tidying up Hatfield, not putting things in that's probably going to get wrecked within 10 minutes anyway. If this portable stage is used to hold an event in the town centre, a big fete or something like that, would you go along to it? No, I wouldn't, to be honest with you. I think it'd cause more trouble than anything because you're going to have people drinking and things like that and it's just going to cause fights and arguments that aren't necessary. So do you think the idea of this portable stage in the town centre is a good or a bad one? A good one. Because they need events to happen in the town centre and nothing happens right now with the exception of the market. So they need something to happen so we can draw people into the town centre and create business for the shops that are there. And we need something to draw because there's nothing at the moment. Do you feel the money could have possibly been invested in more resourceful things or do you think that the most important thing is, is getting people in to the town centre? The most important thing is getting people into the town centre. They've done a lot of work around the town centre to improve the environment and it's not a massive amount of money so I don't really know what else they could do I think they were quite restricted in what they had to spend and hopefully with performances on the stage and events happening more people will come and more people will use the shops I suppose yeah they need some, they've done similar things in Welland and, and they've got connections between the town centre managers and that works really really well so same thing here we should have the same results to draw people in to get business into the town centre bad idea I don't think it will attract the average person no. I mean the, the town itself is so scruffy isn't it it really needs some work done on it make it more interesting for people to shop here we've only got really got us do you know a portable stage in the town centre a good or bad idea uh, a good idea because it will attract uh, many people <laughs> so if there's a performance in the town centre you go along would you uh, yeah I go I think it's a good idea. A portable stage in the town centre here, is yeah, that, that good or bad? It's rubbish. For what? What are, we, what are they coming to see? What, what attract, attract people to what? There's nothing here to attract. 
So you think the most uh, the most important thing is to maybe improve the surroundings here before you attract before people? Before you attract people, yeah, definitely. It's a waste of time. What you're coming to see, the biggest thing we've got in Hatfield is Asta. That, that's the most exciting bit it gets. That's it. That's such a Simon WhatsApp reporting. That's such a brilliant quote. The biggest thing we've got here to see is Asda. What do you think? 27 grand on a portable stage. One lady there saying it would... Uh, promote violence i don't quite know how it's gonna i don't think necessarily stages uh, equate drinking and violence but i twenty-seven thousand pounds has been that could be used or is you know supposed to be used to reinvigorate the high street portable stage could get used what three times a year four times a year oh wait four five nine four double five five double five here's a song you don't hear very often bring on the sunshine please thank you Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine I need to laugh And when the sun is out I've got something I can laugh about I feel good In a special way I'm in love and it's a sunny day Good day Sunshine, good day, sunshine, good day, sunshine. We take a walk, the sun is shining down, burns my feet as they touch the ground. A shady tree I love her and she's loving me she feels good she knows she's looking fine I'm so proud to know that she is mine good day sunshine good day sunshine good day sunshine good day sunshine What a song when McCartney could still write them from Revolver. Good day, sunshine. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you live in Hatfield, or even if you don't, imagine if your local town spent £27,000 on a portable stage. Is that a good idea or a terrible one? What would you rather that money was spent on? How would you spend £27,000 to invigorate your town, to bring your flagging high street back to life, to get people to come and shop in your local shops. 27 grand. What would you do? How would you spend it? 08459 455 555. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke. 
Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Well, traffic is starting to pick up in the area. There's the usual queues on the A405 North Orbital Road in Bricketwood. Traffic is heavy at the roundabout for the M25 at Junction 21A. In Enfield, St Andrews Road is shut for a gas leak at Southbury Road. And there are also some roadworks which might cause some problems later, including in Milton Keynes Village, Tongwell Street is closed for a surfacing work around the junction for Lindisfarne Drive. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. It's 6.45 on the nose. It's Tuesday the 19th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire care worker says her uh, career's in tatters after police told prospective employers she'd been prosecuted for theft even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. In sport, the FA are yet to make a decision on whether to charge Wigan's Callum McManaman for his tackle on Newcastle defender Masiado Hidara. Coming up, a survey by which has revealed that seven out of ten consumers have been cold-called by companies. We'll be discussing this in more detail before seven. But now let's get the latest weather. Here's Georgina Burnett. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, any mist and fog should be slow to clear and we'll be left with some bright spells, but also a fair amount of cloud today and some heavy showers with some thunder and hail mixed in with temperatures reaching 7 or 8 degrees Celsius. Now, tonight, any showers should die away, leaving us with a largely dry night with some mist and fog forming again in the morning, possibly even some localised frost with freezing temperatures. And tomorrow, there'll be a lot in the way of cloud and some wintry rain, which should die down by the evening, leaving us with a cold night with just the odd winter flurry. In the day, we'll have highs of 6 degrees Celsius. Thursday starts off with a frosty uh, frosty morning. It should be a dry and bright day, but the wind really picks up as we head to the evening, ready for Friday and Saturday, when we'll have some isolated snow showers becoming more persistent. This is Georgina Burnett for BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? (laughs) Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Earlier on, I mentioned um, the JVS clip from yesterday's show. I've, I've tweet, if you can't find it on iPlayer, I've tweeted at Ian Lee. I've tweeted the um, iPlayer link. Go and listen to it. Two hours and 30 minutes in, pretty much on the spot. There's a, I, can't, I can't big this up enough. It's so wonderful. JVS sent me a text yesterday saying, did you hear this bit of my show? No. Go and listen. I think you might like it. I listened to it five times last night. It's just a joy. Go and have a cheeky little listen. I've tweeted it. At Ian Lee. Two hours, 30 minutes into Jonathan's show yesterday. Naughty, naughty Ricky. What a naughty man. Can't swim, so I took a boat To an island so remote Only Johnny Depp has ever been to it before I stayed there till the air was clear Can't flow 
It does sound like it's like it's like I've never been on a cruise. I imagine that's the kind of music they play all the flipping time on cruises. In fact, when I've been to, to uh, on holiday to, to the Greek islands, you see these booze cruises that are full of a hundred people. It's like fifty euros. You get as much booze as you can drink. They stop off at a beach for an hour, get on the boat, go, and as they're sailing away, that's the kind of music that's playing, <laughs> that's echoing throughout the bay. <clears throat> now, isn't it annoying when most of the calls you get to your landline? <clears throat> From PPI firms. I've just moved house. We've just got a brand new phone number. Um, and uh, we've had it a week. The only calls I've had have been from people wanting to find out about my bank or insurance. Well, consumer campaigners, which uh, uh, say tougher action is needed to stop people being plagued by firms. Seven out of ten of us have been cold called by companies in the last three months. 
and two-fifths have received a nuisance text message. Have you had a similar problem? Well, Justin Dealey, we, we did come up with something for you to do, Justin. We sent you out and about in Luton to talk about this. Do you get these calls? Yes. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I've had a text, I've had a call and a recorded message all in the last week or so. It just drives me up the wall. Um, the consumer group, which they want a task force to be set up to try and tackle a this. task now, force? That sounds very serious. Force. I imagine people with rifles and a SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they're not happy about it. I've been in Luton for, what, the last ten minutes or so. Everyone seems to have a story to tell. Well, Justin, we've lost you, but I know that you've, you've been speaking to some people. Let's have a listen to what the people of Luton had to say about these cold calls. Now, Russell, in terms of these texts, I mean, how often are you getting these PPI texts to your phone? A um, couple of times a week, maybe maybe more. So it's still twice a week. Now, you've got quite a unique way of dealing with these calls when they come in at home. If you see a number which says blocked, you get your young child to answer the yeah. phone. How old is your child and what happens? Well, she's two and a half... Um, but, yeah, we've got caller ID at home, so when we don't recognise the number, it says it's a private number, mm. we get um, our little daughter to answer the phone, and she just waffles onto them, <laughs> and uh, they end up putting the phone down. You <laughs> must be sitting there laughing your head off at this, thinking, well, if you're going to phone me about this, you, you're getting what you deserve, really. <laughs> yeah, it is quite funny. It is quite funny. But, yeah, they do deserve it, because it's quite annoying. Now, madam, you've recently changed your telephone number, so you're not getting as many of these calls now, but how many calls were you getting on your old number about PPI insurance? It was every other day. Every other day. Yeah. And even when you told them, look, go away, I'm not interested, they still kept phoning you. Yeah. I'm sure they pass on details to other similar companies, and they'll just try it as well. They'll pass it on to a sister company or something and try and get you that way. Now, just describe how frustrating it is. I mean, the texts are one thing, you can ignore those, but telephone calls, how frustrating was that for you every other day? Very. Especially when I'm at work and can't really talk about things like that anyway. So annoying. It's just constant. It is a pain in the backside. The telephone preference service, of course, is, is your first port of call. And, again, I, I keep banging on about JV yesterday. He was mentioning uh, the tele- uh, telephone preference service yesterday, and I was listening. I was listening at the computer, and part of me still thought, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll, I'll do it next week. But I did it. I did it. And it takes a few weeks for it to kick in. So hopefully that will stop most of them, not all of them. It's a pain in the backside, isn't it? How annoying is that? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. He says giving out a telephone number. We'll speak more to uh, Justin about that later on. Now back to this uh, decision to invest twenty seven thousand pounds of Porter's prize money on a portable stage in Hatfield. Uh, well, in and uh, Hatfield Borough Council think, oh yeah, this is a great idea. Well, it's fantastic. What do you think? Well, Tony is from Hatfield. Tony, £27,000, supposed to be used to reinvigorate the town. Portable stage, is that a good idea? No, not really. <laughs> Why? Well, I'd like to see him spend the money on something that was actually going to work for Hatfield. I can't see that, that it is. Let, 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 let me pretend I am well in Hatfield Borough Council for a second, OK? My argument would be, twenty-seven grand on a portable stage, we can host fates, we can maybe have, um, like, a little local pop star, we could have events in, in the town. It would draw people in, Tony. Where are the, where are the people going to come from? Ah, that's, that, that you've got me there on a technicality. What, what would you rather have seen the money spent on? I'd like, I'd like, I'd like them to re, rejuvenate the actual town centre itself, really, because if you, th- if you look at it, or the, the actual residents live there, it's been in decline for years and years and years. I think mainly because of the university that's got, I don't know, five times the size of what it, what it used to be, and also British Aerospace that, that uh, left a few years ago now. So... Uh, 
you know, people are just moving away and it's all full of students and I think the whole place is in decline, full stop. OK, well, let, let's, let's, let's try and cut with a solution between us then, Tony. What, what would you, Tony, as, as Mayor of Hatfield, what would you spend that money on? It's, well, t- it's not, tough, isn't it? It's yeah. a tough one to come up it with. Is a, it is a tough one, but you, if, if you walk around the actual town, town centre itself, you know, you've got buildings that are all mainly empty, um, you've got things that are falling down, it just looks awful. You know, I know you, are, uh, you can paint the place, but, you know, the, the actual buildings itself, they are falling down. But £27,000 is, isn't going to... You, you, you can't rebuild Hatfield no, with that much right. money, can you? No, not at all, but it, but it would help in some places, wouldn't it? I know they've started on a few shops and stuff, but you need the actual shops to get there before you, before you can attract the people in the first place. Tony, what's your message to Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council? Wake up. Tony, thank you very much indeed. It's, it's, he's not a fan of the stage, thinks it's a waste of money. But <clears throat> didn't have many suggestions of what to do with the money. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's all well and good saying, oh, it's a rubbish idea. Oh, we need to do something in Hatfield. Oh, Hatfield's dying. I've, I've been through Hatfield. It's nice enough. I can see the problem. But what would you do with that money? Instead of just saying, well, no, they've wasted it. What would you do with the, with the money? £27,000. If you think the stage is a bad idea, how would you have spent that money to, to reinvigorate Hatfield or your local town? Because in the great scheme of things, £27,000 isn't a lot of money. It's not huge amounts. You can't rebuild the centre of the town. And maybe the stage... Maybe the stage is a good idea. Maybe you, you could use it to host events. Go and have to, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. There's, well, there's a picture of the stage. It, it's under tarpaulin. So you can't, maybe can't quite make it out. But, but what do you think? You can give me a call, 08459 455 555, or... You can go and leave your comment on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Maybe you think it's a cracking idea. Maybe you think a stage is just what's needed to, to try and build a sense of community, to, to draw people to Hatfield and get them all talking and sharing and, 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 and spending money in the town. And if it's not a good idea, what would you spend the money on? It's tricky, isn't it? Because it, it, twenty-seven grand sounds like a lot of money. In the and to you and me, oh, it's a fantastic amount of money. In the great scheme of things, though, it's not huge, is it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll talk after the travel with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting in Enfield, there was a major gas leak last night. Most of Enfield Town was closed off. The roads have mainly reopened, but St Andrews Road, which is opposite Enfield Town Station, that is still closed at Southbury Road. The usual queues continue on the A405 North Orbital Road in Bricketwood, particularly at the roundabout for the M25 at Junction 21A. Traffic is very slow there on my cameras. And in Wealdstone on the high road, there are temporary lights up around the ongoing works on the gas mains at Rising Home Road, and that might cause some delays later. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much much indeed. Coming up after seven, we're going to speak to Lorraine Nugent from Stevenage. Now, she's the lady who claims to have had a couple of job offers withdrawn because of her CRB. Well, the thing is, she did go to court, but she was found innocent of anything. So is it fair that job offers are being withdrawn because because of that? Should it even show up on her CRB? We'll speak to Lorraine after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, Hearts Police accused of ruining carers' life, MK Hospital misses health watchdog's care targets and scratch and sniff used to combat the cultivation of cannabis. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Stevenage woman is accusing Hertfordshire Police of dragging her name through the mud by telling pr- prospective employers she's been prosecuted for theft even though she was found not guilty. Care worker Lorraine Nugent believes firms are jumping to conclusions and assuming she's untrustworthy. But that's not necessarily true, according to Sheila Taylor, who runs North Hertfordshire company Crossroads Care. It's something that of course we have to look at but it's part of what we look at. It's not the whole thing because people are human. Something can happen in your youth um, which may come up on that check and to be honest the police can put anything, any contact with the police whatsoever Mm. uh, which doesn't sound quite right but it is something that they do. Lorraine Nugent will be speaking to Ian Lee in the next few minutes. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. An inspection in August found Milton Keynes Hospital failed to safeguard patients from abuse, treat patients with respect, provide for patients' nutritional needs and have appropriate staffing levels and proper record-keeping. Hospital bosses say they've reviewed staffing levels since the CQC's visit in a bid to ensure patients' needs are met. David Cameron's promising that new tax breaks planned for 20 2015 will be one of the biggest measures ever introduced to help parents with childcare costs. His deputy Nick Clegg says the measures will help parents who can't afford to work because of those childcare bills. Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council is coming in for tough criticism this morning for its decision to spend its share of Porter's pilot money on a portable stage. The equipment was bought for £27,000 and will cost a further £600 every time it's used and dismantled. The decision makers say the expense is justified as it'll be the centrepiece for crowd pulling events and festivals. Scratch and sniff cards are Hertfordshire Police's latest weapons in the fight against drug crime. Sophie Solaria has the details. When scratched, the cards give off a smell, which contains an element that replicates that of cannabis in its growing state. The scheme is to help people recognise the odour, so they can then detect cannabis farms in the area more easily. Crime Stoppers hope this will lead them to the criminal groups who are involved in drug crimes and other organised crimes in the area. 104 cannabis farms were found in Hertfordshire between 2010 and 2012. In sport, Rio Ferdinand's insisting his international career isn't over after he pulled out of the squad for this week's World Cup qualifiers. The Manchester United defender said he was left with no choice due to his current training regime and posted on Twitter anyone suggesting he'd never play for England again should know better than to, and I quote, chat rubbish. The weather, sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later on, along with the top temperature of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past seven. It's Tuesday the 19th of March. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, and as always, would love your opinion on the stories we're talking about. Up next, a Stevenage woman says her life has been ruined after she was prosecuted but cleared of deception and theft. Well, she'll be joining me in the studio next. £27,000 is being spent on a portable stage as part of improvements to Hatfield. Good idea or a complete waste of money? Well, one of the shoppers we spoke to said there's nothing here to attract. The biggest thing we've got to see is Asda. You can uh, have a little look at the Facebook page to see a picture of the stage and all its tarpaulin glory. And also go to the Facebook page, uh, because we we put a picture up of a scratch and sniff card being handed out by Hertfordshire Police. It smells of cannabis. 
Well, the police want you to use it to help them identify cannabis farms. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text as well, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call. Look, all of the lines are completely free. Who's going to be the first caller in this hour? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a Hertfordshire care worker says her life as a carer has been ruined after two future uh, employers were told she was taken to court for deception, even though she was cleared of committing any offence. Lorraine Nugent from Stevenage says criminal record checks led to the job offers being withdrawn because of her court appearance. Lorraine is in the studio now. Morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Why, why, tell us about, let's try and work out exactly what's happened here. Tell us about what happened when you went to court, first of all. Um, I went, to, I was taken to court um, by it was to do with a, bus- a family a family business a family member who gained out of taking me to court um to get me out of the way um they took me to court but everything they put against me was proved so what did, proved what, what were you taken to court for what was the, the Decep- charge deception, deception um yeah with business um and how long did that court case go on for on, on eight months eight months time mm-hmm. must have been very stressful Time for you. because I just lost my mum. My mum just died, and I broke my leg. <laughs> it, it it all happens at once, doesn't it? it I, I, I just, my dad just passed a few weeks ago, and everything kind of happens at the same time, and it's very <laughs> strange. I'm sorry for your loss. So you've got you've been dragged through the courts for eight months. All of this other stuff stuff going on at the same time. How are you feeling? You must have felt lousy. Yes, but also during my, my ex husband. Um, he he was found dead. Oh, he died. I'm oh, sorry. Um, and then my partner of six years, um, he got killed on his motorbike. Oh, Lorraine, you've had a, 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 a run of bad luck. I'm really sorry to yes. hear that. But you weren't found guilty. No, no totally innocent. So you got on everything. So just to clarify, you got sent out of court with not a stain on your name. You were found yes. innocent of everything. Yes. So what happened then when you applied for these jobs? Um, well, I applied. First of all, I'd done some voluntary work. Um, when I got my CIB through for the voluntary work, um, there was nothing on there. Okay, and just, to, just, 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 just not mention any company names as well, no. by the way, while we're here. So you, you, you apply, you got your CRB for voluntary work. Yes. And uh, each company has to get their own CRB on you. And it's in the caring profession, isn't yes. it? Yes. And the, the CRB for caring work was completely clean. Yes. Okay. Yeah, then I applied for paid work because obviously I had to get my feet back on the ground after after everything happened so I applied for paid work and it came through with this all this incriminating information on it all about the court case even about um my ex-husband dying and my partner dying which I don't understand why that needs to be on there at all why would they put that on a CRB check got no idea have you got the you got the CRB here I've got the CRB can I'm allowed to have a little look at it absolutely You, you, you get it out So you've got them all here. Let's have a look at the one that's got about your, your court case and, and, and things. You, you have a little rifle through your notes. So it, it, it said on there... Let's it's have a look. It's got six, six uh, paragraphs that really put, make me out. If I okay. read it, I wouldn't employ somebody. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. What a naughty lady you and are. on the back. So <laughs> other relevant... So basically, um, adult barred list, none recorded. Children barred list, none record, recorded. Other relevant information disclosed at the chief police officer's discretion... 
uh, Hertfordshire Constabulary, and it's got the date, on May the 20, uh, 24th of May 2007, Lorraine Nugent was arrested on suspicion of committing an offence of theft. Uh, it was alleged that, then it goes into the, the, what, what the, the crime is. Uh, other relevant information. The alleged circumstances were that Lorraine... Uh, again, Kai goes into details about that, and um, the, basically theft and fraud and deception. Um, uh, during police interview... Uh, la, 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 um, OK, so at Luton Crown Court, Lorraine Nugent was found not guilty of three far- charges of, 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 of And then of theft. again, it states everything again. Yeah. So she was found not... You were found not guilty of three charges of theft by employee, three charges of obtaining property, three... Ch- so basically, not guilty. Not guilty, not Absolutely guilty. not guilty. And everything was proved with every receipt, everything. <laughs> now, if I, if I read this and didn't get to the last paragraph, I think, oh, dear, no, So really. with everybody. Do I showed we... my friends who are support, um, support workers, social workers, and everybody. Nobody can believe it. Lorraine's current partner also died during the investigation. What, what is the relevance of that on there? Absolutely no idea. Up until the last paragraph, you think, oh, dearie me. Then the last paragraph says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Mm-hmm. So you're not guilty. And there's the proof. Not guilty. You go from doing voluntary work at this place to applying for paid work. Yes. What happened? I, well, with the voluntary, as I say, the, the certificate comes through absolutely Doesn't clear. show any of Nothing that Nothing on there. Okay. Yeah, as soon as I apply for paid work, all this information comes through. Mm. And so what did the, your potential employers say? Um, with, with one of them, I never heard back from them. Right. And every time I phoned. But um, with the other one, I actually was offered the job. I even had the, off- the training um, programme to go to and everything. And then they had to pull um, the lady out to say she's really sorry. Um, they had to um, go back on it. Because of what was says on that CRB? the CRB. And what did you say to them? Did you not say, oh, hang on a minute, I haven't done anything? Yeah, they said to me about, pr- um, I have to get proof and everything, but to be honest, I was in such a state, mm. I, um, I got very, very low and yeah. couldn't handle it. I can see it's still yeah. upsetting you now, yeah, and, and, and it would do, and you're just trying to sort your life out after a list of, mm. of, you know, of bad luck and, 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 and things that have happened. Have you spoken to the police about this? I have. I've, I've spoke to the people at the CRB, first of all, yep. and, I, and I actually asked why, I do understand that if a CRB... If it's meant to protect people, especially the vulnerable, yeah, go ahead, put it on. And I can actually see a point, but how can you have it? And then I'm, but I'm allowed to look after the same people, the same kind of job as a volunteer. Mm. And it's not on there. If it's going to be on there, it should be on every one. Mm. But, but also not detail. And why does it have to detail, put the details like that on there? Um, I spoke to the police and they actually said to me, the police officer was very rude and he actually said, there's no smoke without fire. Well, is it possible to get that taken off? Uh, it has come off now. It's come off to, now. Um, How did you do that? I spoke to CRB and you have to go through an independent monitor. Right. Um, but also, on, when, I, when the, the police officer said to me, no smoke without fire, I did say I'm going to the media mm. with it because this is not right unless you can help me. Yeah. And he said, no, we can't help you. Um, so I don't know whether, which, why it's come off. Mm. Okay. But with, with it being taken off, they sent me through a clear one now. Yeah. But they've also put a note in it saying it's because it's been six years. That's why they take it off as if it's normal. Well, it hasn't even, it's only been four years. Right. Don't, don't so, say it too loudly, Lorraine. No. They might put it back on. Yeah, but well, I'm fighting this. Yeah, um, I just think it's wrong for there must be thousands of people out there who have been cruelly treated um, by the police. Why couldn't they just take make an appointment with me and sit down and talk to me about it? Now, let, I, I need to ask this, Lorraine. Is there anything else in your past that could have put your employers off? Nothing at all. I've never had a speeding ticket. Anything. Right. Okay. 
But things have worked out all right. Have you got a job now? I'm working for a company now, Caring, but it was on hold because they had to find out. I had to get proof from my solicitor because, again, when this information comes through, but they know I'm good at my job. Yeah. I'm, I'm needed, yeah. you know, and um, by the people I, I help. Yeah. And the company are being very, very good, and they've... Um, they're just going, you know, they took the information from me. Yeah. So how long have you been in this job? Is it How long have you been working there? Um, since September. Since September. Year. And how's it going? Is it good? Yes, it's lovely. You're I enjoying love it? Work. Yes. Yeah, I'm a support worker. Well, that's, well, that's something then, you know, after all, all of this. That's but something that you've got... will it come on again in three years when you have to get another one? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to come on another CRB. Um, well, I, I would imagine it wouldn't. I, 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 I was saying to you before we came out, I am a big fan of the CRB. They've screwed up totally here though this i mean this is incredible I, I i would imagine it wouldn't but i can also imagine that it's going to be on it, it's going to be in the back of your mind for the next three years but it's not always, it's not it. only about myself yeah it's about all the other people how are, are our um, vulnerable people at risk how many volunteers have done criminal things mm. and it's not come and it's coming through clear so mm. there's definitely something wrong and i think we need answers on this how would you like to see the system changed I just like to see if if it, if there is information that has to go on on any on the CRB, it should be on everyone volunteers as well mm. because there could be people out there harming our vulnerable people. Lorraine, listen, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you very much. Partly because it's a fascinating story. Partly because you smell so nice this morning. I was just saying, <laughs> we normally get horrible sweaty blokes in at just after <laughs> seven o'clock. So have someone smelling quite fresh is 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 a, is a pleasant surprise. Really sorry about your bad run of luck. Hopefully this job is gonna is gonna carry on, and it sounds like you're really enjoying it, and it's you, you're kind of yes. starting to turn things around. So thank you very much for coming in and sharing thank that you. with us. Um, we did. Uh, Hertfordshire Police uh, have got the power to disclose convictions, cautions, reprimands, or verbal warnings shown on the police national computer, as well as any other information for which the chief officer of the force concerned feels relevant for the post, post applied for. The consideration on disclosure has to be carefully weighed up and be recorded and justified in accordance with disclosure and barring service. A spokeswoman for the DBS, I've got to do all this, said uh, it doesn't own or control the information used. The chief police, the chief officer of a police force can also apply any material which they think is relevant to the application. Well, listen, you've heard Lorraine's story there. Completely innocent. And it says so on the CRB. I've just read it. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Have you been affected by the same thing? Have you had a CRB that should be clear... If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was banging on about how good I think the CRB is. Well, they've screwed up royally here. Have you had a CRB check that you think should be clear? You know should be clear. But something's come up and it's left you scratching your head and you've possibly lost a job because of it. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 is looking very busy this morning on my cameras. There are pockets of congestion on the anti-clockwise carriageway. It's very heavy between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey and 25 for Enfield. Also further west, there's queues between Junction 21A for St Albans and 19 for Watford. And it's very congested. I've got it up on my cameras right now. Between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. That's very slow indeed. Over in Enfield, St Andrews Road opposite Enfield Town Station is still closed at Southbury Road for a gas leak. In Chesnut, the A10 Great Cambridge Road is moving slowly from College Road to Winston Churchill Way and there's the typical morning queues on the M1 into London at Junction 10 for Luton Airport Spur Road. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Brooke. 
Morning, it's 7.15. It's Tuesday the 19th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Stevenage woman is accusing Hertfordshire police of dragging her name through the mud by telling prospective employers she's been prosecuted for theft, even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. In sport, Luton Town midfielder Arno Mendy is suspended for tonight's conference match at home to Stockport. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later, along with a top temperature of seven degrees. Coming up before half seven, we'll hear from Roger Critchell, the Director of Operations at Crime Stoppers, about the scratch and sniff cards being distributed to help tackle cannabis cultivation. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can listen to BBC Three Counties Radio in so many different ways. On FM. 95.5. 103.8. And 104.5. On AM. 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk. Slash Three Counties. And on DAB. Digital Radio. Retune your digital radio now and look out for BBC Three CR. Bringing local radio to you in in more ways than than ever before. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Go and have a cheeky look at the Facebook page, why don't you? Um, there's, uh, we've got all the things up there we're talking about this morning. We've got this cannabis story, we've got a, a picture of Lorraine, uh, and also this uh, £27,000 stage that's been bought using Mary Portas money uh, to, to rejuvenate Hatfield. Not quite sure how it's going to do that, but keen to get your your thoughts on it. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, Hearts Police want you to scratch and sniff out cannabis farms in Hertfordshire. Crime Stoppers has joined forces with Hertfordshire Constabulary in a campaign to tackle cannabis cultivation by distributing 2,000 scratch and sniff cards to the public. Don't get excited, they don't get you high. It's to help people to recognise the smell of growing cannabis so they can detect the farms. 104 farms were found in Hertfordshire between 2010 and 2012. Well, Roger Critchell, the Director of Operations at Crime Stoppers, is with us now to tell us more. Morning, Roger. Good morning. How will these cards help people identify cannabis farms? What they actually do is they give you the smell that uh, the plants produce when they're actually uh, growing. So it's not the smell of cannabis as as in the normal sense when cannabis is being used by a user. It's in the growing process. So it's a way of helping you to identify, amongst other things, what to look for. How much are these cards costing? They're not that. They're not that much. They've been produced. We've uh, got funding from Hertfordshire Police and thirteen other police forces, the Home Office, and roughly uh, for the whole batch, which is uh, in the thousands, uh, it's cost us about twenty thousand pounds, I think. So each one's a matter of pence to produce. And where are they going to be distributed? Who who gets these? Right, well, we've got 13 police forces, uh, one of which is Hertfordshire, as you, as you, as you said, um, distributing them through the postal system, so they'll be coming through your door, to, to areas where the police uh, feel that there may be opportunities to gather information. How big a problem is it, Roger, the, the, the cannabis farming in Hertfordshire? I think it's, it's, I must say, in Hertfordshire, it's not a big problem. But what we are seeing is a worrying trend of, of organised criminal gangs using uh, residential properties in uh, areas that we don't normally see, um, and Hertfordshire could well be one, because what this point is, it's 
linked to serious and organised crime now, as opposed to just somebody growing cannabis. Isn't this going to encourage people to snoop on each other, Roger? Is that, is that what we really want? No, it's not, actually. What it is is to I d- try and get people to call us about serious and organised crime. Um, of course, people can call us anonymously on Crime Stoppers, uh, 0800 555 or go online. It's really about making the public aware of a growing problem in relation to serious and organised crime. Uh, and, and, Roger, supposing that someone is suspecting that there's, that there's people growing cannabis in a house next door, they might be a little bit scared to call because, you know, they, they could be associated with dodgy people. Well, the big thing is, by all means, call the police, but you can, of course, call Crime Stoppers. It's completely anonymous. We don't know who you are. We don't want to know who you are. All we actually want to know is what you know. Roger Critchell, Director of Operations at Crime Stoppers, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Got a text about cold callers. It, it, it's the thing, we, we always come back to it because it's so flipping annoying. I have had, I've had my new phone number for a week. Right? I've got no idea what this new phone number is. I'm, not a clue. Um, I, I, I probably will never remember it. First time I've had a landline in two years. Uh, and the only calls I've had, you're just doing a survey, we're from GKE Solutions, we're just doing a survey about your bank, jog on mate. Yeah, filling up about PPI, you get, get lost. Well, hello sir, we are um, t- calling about your Sky dish. Are you from Sky? Well no, we're not, jog on. So annoying. Angela in Dunstable says, I- I've registered with Telephone Preference Service several times, I'm still constantly played by PPI calls, ones that say on display, International but they are either PPI on about my computer, which I haven't got, or insurance. I don't answer these calls now. I also get people trying to sell all sorts of insurance, funeral plans, will services, mortgages. I get at least four calls daily, sometimes up to two dozen or so, and I'm not in all day. Really? What lists have you been signing up to, Angela and Dunstable? They drive me nuts. I'm also ex-directory, so call preference service doesn't work for me. I think it does work if you're ex-directory. I think it does. It should do. I don't want to change my number as I've had it for years. And anyway, why should I? You've spotted the little loophole there. Call preference only works for, I think, UK-based companies. And lots of these companies are all over the world nowadays, or registered all over the world anyway, so they can kind of get round it. Still worth doing a bit of TPS, because um, uh, it, it, it will definitely reduce it. It won't necessarily get rid of all of them, but it will definitely reduce it. Now, exciting news, Royal Watchers. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will be visiting Buckinghamshire today. William and Kate will visit the headquarters of Child Bereavement UK at Saunderton near Princess Risborough. Katie Kohler is the Assistant Director of Bereavement Services from the charity and joins me now. Good morning, Katie. Hi. You must be all very excited down there. Yes, we are all very excited. We're really honoured that, that um, the Duke and Duchess are both going to make a visit to us today. We're really excited. Tell me a little bit about the charity. What, what exactly does Child Bereavement UK do? Well, Child Bereavement UK supports families, um, um, both children and adults, um, when either a child or baby has sadly died or a parent or carer has died. And we also educate professionals um, that are um, helping support families across the country. Um, we train about 5,000 professionals across the country um, in the front line of bereavement support so that they in turn can provide uh, professional support to bereaved children and families locally to them. How on earth do those people that are on the front line do their jobs, Katie. I can't think of anything more heartbreaking than having to to work with families that have lost a little baby. It is. 
it is it is very very sad work but i feel um i think most of us feel very privileged um to to be able to work with these families um and to try and understand some of what they're going through and to be able to support them through that um, so I think we yeah, we feel very honoured to be able to oh, it's, do that. Listen, it's incredible work that you do, but it, it, it takes a certain very special kind of person, I would imagine, to be able to do that. Well, I guess we've all we've all got slightly different backgrounds, so we're all coming to it from mm. slightly different angle, and, and everyone has their their own personal histories, which obviously kind of contribute to, to how you are with a family. Um, but I, I think at the end, it's either right for you or it's not right for you, mm. um, and hopefully it's right for us. No well, no, well done. Listen, I think it's amazing what you do. W- what's going to happen today? What's the plan? Well, the Duke and Duchess are going to um, visit all parts of our offices. They're going to have a tour around and have a look at our fundraising department and at our training department um, and at bereavement services. Um, because in bereavement services, we have a helpline um, that we run Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, um, and that's for families or professionals to, to phone in and, and ask questions or get support. Um, so they'll hear about that. Um, but more importantly than, than any of all this is they will get to meet the families that we are currently supporting. Um, there's, we're going to have a group of um, children with their parents and also our YPAG, which is our young person's advisory group, um, that will be there, and, and also our, um, a group of parents. So they'll get to actually meet the families that we're supporting. Katie, how does this work? Do you apply for them to come, or do you get a phone call one afternoon saying, hello, we're from the palace, would you like Wills and Kate to pop along? How, do, how does it work? <laughs> I just I think that um, that we've invited them and right. that um, uh, the Duke is our royal patron and has been for the past four years and has he's shown a real keen interest in the work of the charity. Um, so I think that is something that he would have wanted to do. Um, and we're more than more than happy to have him to come along. We feel that it's been wonderful that he's wanted to come. He makes a huge positive difference to to Child Bereavement UK. And w- what preparations do you make? Because I did read a story that the Queen thinks everywhere smells of fresh paint because the, the, the morning that she's coming or the day before everything gets painted i'm guessing you haven't done that but have you have you been around with a, a, a black bin liner collecting everyone's rubbish and tidying well, up we are very lucky actually at the offices where we are and we haven't had to do any redecorating or any clearing up particularly because we're used to having very important guests right. in the way of families that visit us every day so we like to make it very warm and welcoming for families so to that extent we haven't had to actually make much difference we've probably made one or two few more cakes than normal <laughs> i bet you have and how many people are turning up? Uh, it's very difficult to estimate that. Um, we really don't know. Because it's a, a private event, obviously we've got families who have been particularly invited. Um, but it, it's difficult to know if anyone wants to, you know, if people might turn up for a glimpse. Because obviously they're a very popular couple. Um, and people might just turn up for a glimpse. So it's difficult to know. Well, Katie, listen, have a fantastic day. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Don't, enjoy the cakes. Can I just tell you my web, the website of for the charity? Of course you can. Please in do. In case anyone across there needs some support or some information, it's www.childbereavementuk.org. And the helpline phone number for anyone that needs it is 01494. Well, listen, have a fantastic day and keep up the good work. It's amazing stuff you do there, Katie. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. It's Katie Kohler, Assistant Director of Bereavement Services from Child Bereavement UK, who do an uh, amazing work. And uh, we'll be following this story throughout the day on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a quick look at the front pages, shall we? The Daily Telegraph. Working mothers... Excuse me, working mothers to get £1,200 per child, more than two and a half million families will each be able to claim up to £1,200 to help subsidise the costs of childcare under a £1 billion scheme to be unveiled today by David Cameron and Nick Clegg. Count me in. I'll have some of that, please. And this is an amazing story. Plot to murder Joss Stone. 
Two men plotted to rob and murder Josh Stone. I like Josh Stone. I met her when she was 16, before she went to America and became bonkers, and she was a, 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 you know, a naive 16-year-old girl from Cornwall who had an amazing voice. And she was delightful. Absolutely delightful. And then, you know, she went a little bit potty. But, but, but who wouldn't under those circumstances? The Guardian. Uh, papers bridle at historic deal on press. Protesters, PM, Clegg and Miliband agree on regulator in late night talks. A shell-shocked newspaper industry was last night struggling to come to terms with a sudden all-party agreement on the future of press regulation hurriedly adopted by Parliament to create a powerful new regulator designed to prevent a repeat of the phone hacking scandal. And uh, let's have a look at the Independent. Hold the front page. Politicians agree on deal, uh, agree deal on press regulation, but then newspapers refuse to sign up. The Times. Press deal divides parties and alarms newspapers. And Cyprus crisis deepens as Russia threatens. This Cy- Cyprus. Have you heard this? That they're, they're probably going to take ten percent of all, all the savings and all the bank accounts as a tax. Imagine that. Right, you've got all your money in the bank. The government says, yeah, we, we, we're in a bit of trouble. We're going to take 10% of everything you've got in the bank. Excuse me? And there was a bank holiday on Monday. So everyone said, yeah, well, OK, we're going to take our money out on a Tuesday, so up yours, Delors. And then the government say, yeah, we're going to have a bank holiday until Thursday while we debate this. Incredible. Uh, the Daily Express, seven easy steps to a longer life. I'll just tell you what these uh, seven steps are to a longer life. It's, it's revolutionary stuff, OK? So follow these. Seven steps to a longer life, according to Express. One, stay physically active. Two, keep a healthy weight. Three, eat healthily. Four, maintain a good cholesterol level. Five, keep your blood pressure down. Six, control blood sugar levels. Seven, don't get cancer. Now, okay, seven is don't smoke. But, to be honest, who didn't know that stuff, Daily Express? That's not a front page. We'll do the rest of the papers later. Here's the travel with Brooke. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. Starting with the congestion in Chesant on the A10 Great Cambridge Road. Traffic is very slow from College Road all the way to Winston Churchill Way. The M25 typically busy this morning with the usual areas of congestion. On my cameras, it's looking particularly bad between Junction 21A for St Albans to 19 for Watford. Further north on the M1 into London at Junction 10 for Luton Airport Spur Road. My speed sensor picking up delays there too. And the A1 Great North Road in Chalston is slow southbound at the Black Cat Roundabout. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three. Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Time for the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 7.30. Here are your headlines. A Stevenage woman's accusing Hertfordshire police of dragging her name through the mud by telling prospective employers she's been prosecuted for theft and deception, even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. And David Cameron is promising that new tax breaks planned for 2015 will be one of the biggest measures ever introduced to help parents with childcare costs. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rio Ferdinand's insisting his international career is far from over. The Manchester defender has rubbish suggestions. He won't play for England again after pulling out of this week's World Cup qualifiers. He wrote on Twitter that anyone claiming otherwise was talking rubbish. Milton Keynes' dance will be without skipper Dean Lewington for their League One match at Crewe tonight. He's nursing an injury sustained in Saturday's win over Tranmere. Manager Carl Robinson is looking forward to the game because he's a great admirer of Crewe's approach to football. Uh, they're a good football. 
bonus side and they're based on very strong principles and morals of a football philosophy for many many years going back to Dario Gradi and I think he's somebody that is in football terms will go down as a legend for what he's done at that particular football club also in League One, Stephen Idger at Berry. Borough will be hoping for more of the same from striker Danny Lopez after his hat-trick at the weekend. Wickham Wanderers travel to Bradford tonight in League Two. The chairboy striker Matt McClaw could return after injury, but defender Dave Winfield remains a doubt. And Luton Town midfielder Arnold Mendy is suspended for tonight's conference match at home to Stockport. It could mean that Solomon Tywo's given his first hat as start. Manager John Still's already looking to next season. It is the time to look at players out of contract and look at players in contract that you don't think are going to be quite up to it and, and that, is, that is a difficult thing because you, you, you can identify people that you think are not quite up to it but if they've got time left on their contract you know they can choose to, to stay but you know I'm not worrying about that yet and that's your latest news and sport more from me at 8 o'clock thank you very much across beds hearts and bucks this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio morning 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Coming up in the next half an hour, it's so annoying isn't it, when most of the calls you get to your landline are from PPI firms. Sounds familiar? Well 7 out of 10 of us have been cold called by companies in the last 3 months. Our uh, phone correspondent Justin Dealey is in Luton this morning finding out about your experiences and £27,000 has been spent on a portable stage as part of improvements to Hatfield. What do you think? Good idea or a complete waste of money? I'll be speaking to the Hatfield Town Councillor who thinks the Porter's Pilot is a joke and this money is being wasted. 08459 455 555 is the phone number or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, the Care Quality Commission, the CQC, has published its first review of privacy, dignity and nutrition in care homes and hospitals. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. An inspection in August found Milton Keynes Hospital failed to safeguard patients from abuse, treat patients with respect, provide for patients' nutritional needs and have appropriate staffing levels and proper record-keeping. Well, hospital bosses say they've reviewed staffing levels since the CQC's visit in a bid to ensure patients' needs are met. Well, Chris Day is from the CQC. Morning, Chris. Good morning. Chris, tell me, I, I know you can't speak specifically about Milton Keynes, but, but tell me about this review. Well, the review itself was conducted uh, with 550 organisations across the last sort of six or seven months. And what we were trying to find out is, um, well, first of all, in, in hospitals, have things improved? And secondly, in adult social care, uh, do the same problems exist? And, and, and what we did find in many organisations is really, really good care. People, uh, people getting the dignity that they, they, they should in hospitals and in adult social care uh, organisations as well, getting food at the right time, getting support with personal care. But as you say, we're disappointed that there are still uh, some people who don't get that kind of uh, support and care. And we're, we're very disappointed that there are some organisations um, uh, such as Milton Keynes where, where people's dignity is, hasn't been respected. I mean, we don't think this is difficult. We think this is basic care and getting it right can transform the experience that, that, that people receive. Um, and what we're calling on today is that it, is that organisations learn from the best. There are good organisations out there, both hospitals and um, adult social care organisations. We think it often starts with um, good, effective leadership. And if the leadership is right, then, then they can make the changes happen and support staff to give the best possible service. You're right, Chris. It, it doesn't sound that difficult. Basic respect, nutritional needs, safeguard patients from abuse. Why are some hospitals failing so badly? 
Well, I think the, the reasons vary by organisation, but I think, as I say, it, it does boil back uh, down to um, effective leadership and, and support for staff to do the right thing. Um, we found in, in the Care Update report a few, a few weeks ago the same sort of issues coming out, and where, where organisations do this well, it, it's because it's, it's led from the front. The, the leaders in the organisation, that's, that's it's important to them, and if it's important to them, it often is important to all staff. And there is an issue about staff having the time to, to, to make that... Um, to make that care uh, happen in, in people's daily lives so, so you know we, we are calling on we don't think this is an issue of of um of a systemic problem right across the nhs or indeed right across adult social care but we do we are calling on organizations to learn from the very best what have hospitals like milton Keynes said they're going to do about this well, um, Milton Keynes itself is, is one of a number of organisations where, as you say, they're, they, they've, they're, they're putting in place plans around um, uh, both staffing and also around how they're going to uh, provide extra support for staff. The, the, in all honesty, the answers um, for each individual organisation will be different. As I say, I, I think from our perspective today, what we want to focus on is that is the leadership have to take this seriously. It's a matter that is, is as you say, it's a, it's a basic level of care and, and leaders have to take it seriously when planning what how they deliver care in their hospitals or indeed in their care homes and chris you've got a new boss at the cqc how are things looking there very good i think we you know i think from our point of view we wanted to make sure we've got the, the right level of support for these type of inspections and and david uh, being the new chief exec is very keen on that in this inspection program itself we've used not just our own inspection teams but also uh, 31 practicing professionals and 35 experts by experience and i think that'll be the way forward for us to provide more uh, tangible dedicated resource to these type of inspections chris i appreciate your time chris stay there from the cqc this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a quick look. at we, we missed a couple of newspapers. I say a couple of newspapers. It's the Mail and the Sun. But, but still, it'll be rude not to. Uh, the Daily Mail. Um, minister, the ministers pledged to protect UK soldiers' cash. Now they say savings will be hit. Betrayal of our boys in Cyprus. Again, this is this uh, incredible story in Cyprus where d- d- to um, d- get their bailout, they've said, OK, yeah, fine. We'll take 10% of everyone's savings from the bank. Sorry, what? You're going to do what? We're going to take uh, 10% of everyone's savings from the bank. Uh, Ministers were accused of betraying British troops last night. After it merged, they will be hit by the EU raid on Cypriot banks, after all. Servicemen will only be compensated for reasonable losses if their funds are connected with their service in Cyprus. Last night, MOD officials said that that could mean those who have transferred funds to Cyprus to save for their retirement could lose out. It's an amazing story. Uh, and the Sun plot to behead Joss Stone um, and Ministry of Truth, Royal Charter deal like 1984. Tough new press curbs were last night blasted for setting up a nightmarish 1984 style Ministry of Truth, liking George Orwell's chilling vision of a totalitarian state. Ex-Cabinet Minister Peter Lilly hit out as the three party leaders set up a royal charter backed by two laws, the first legislation regulating Britain's newspapers in 318 years. Well, turn to page six and seven for the full story. So let's have a little look. Now, here are some of the things that The Sun strongly disagrees with. New clause in Enterprise Bill will give MPs and peers power to change royal charter if two-thirds of them agree. The first law affecting British press in more than 300 years. Well, maybe if we'd had some laws affecting British press, then you lot wouldn't have been phone-hacking the parents of dead children. I don't know. I don't know. It's just an idea. 
New Press Watchdog will have the power to impose one million pounds fines on papers and other publications. Again, I don't, I don't know. But maybe if a million pound fines were in place, I don't know. Newspapers wouldn't have, mm, let me think, hacked the phones of the parents of dead children? I don't know. Because at the moment you pay, what, 50 grand? 50 grand for a newspaper is loose change. It will also be able to direct them to issue prominent corrections and apologies. What, instead of those little paragraphs that you do on page four? Because no one reads the pages on the left. You know that. This is, this is psychology in newspapers. Hardly anyone reads the, the... The boring stuff is always on the even numbers. The pages on the left. Because no one ever looks at the pages on the left. They always look at the pages on the right. It's a fact. Powers will not... Uh, press, sorry. Press will not be able to veto appointments to Board of New Industry Regulator. Hang on a second. The press won't be able to char- choose who's in charge of them. Oh. <laughs> That's outrageous! Again, I don't know. Yes, you, you hacked the phones of, of Hugh Grant. Yes, you hacked my phone. Yes, you hacked the phones of celebrities. <sighs> that, that's kind of bad. Maybe if you hadn't have hacked the phones of the parents of dead children. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a little thing that, that kind of makes me think that the press have had self-regulation for the last 300 years. You couldn't handle it, guys. You couldn't handle it. And that's why it needs something a little bit more serious. You know, it, it, you, you, you've proved time and time again you can't do it. You ruined it. You had your chance, you blew it. <clears throat> oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Do you agree with me? Or are you terrified this is the end of press freedom? Now, isn't it annoying when most of the calls you get to your landline, they're from PPI firms or insurance firms or, or, or people associated with all kinds of nonsense? I've just moved into my new house, got a brand new telephone number, and I'm getting cold calls on it. Well, consumer campaigners say tougher action is needed to stop people being plagued by firms. Have you had a problem with this? Well, Justin Dealey's in Luton this morning, finding out your experiences. Justin, what have you been, uh, what have you been discovering? Ian, am I safe to talk? You are uh, safe to talk. Well, it, uh, am I safe? Well, I don't know. We're probably being monitored, not, not by many people, but by a few. So we're talking about these nuisance calls. I mean, in the first hour, we had lots of reaction coming in. We spoke to one man. Now, he's got caller ID at home. So if he sees a number that uh, says withheld or blocked... He gets his two-year-old child to deal with that, which is quite amusing. But so many people have had so many problems with these calls and the texts as well. Here's some more reaction from people in the last ten minutes or so. Now, Jill, you're getting these calls twice a week. Just how annoying is this for you? Well, it's, it's inconvenient because they, they talk to you and then you're, you, you turn around and say, well, like, you know, I don't need it, I don't... I've got no, no problems, but they still don't really listen to you, so, it's, you know, it's, it's just time-consuming, annoying. Okay. And are these people quite rude as well? Yes, they're quite rude, yeah. You know, it was like, well, you must have you must have need this, you know. You said, well, I don't, but, yeah. you know, so they don't. Would you agree that enough is enough now? Something's got to be done, not just yourself, but other people I'm talking to are also getting these calls. Something's got to be done to stop this now. Oh, definitely, definitely, yes. Now, madam, you changed your telephone a bit in, what, September. Before you changed that number, how many of these calls were you getting every week? Probably three or four a month. Three or four a month. Um, How frustrating was that for you and your family? Yeah, it was very annoying. My husband particularly got very cross about it all. So do you think something's got to be done now? You're not getting these calls anymore, only because you've changed your number, but do you think enough is enough now? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to start up again soon, because I've only had the number for a short time, but yeah, something's got to be done. Now, Andy, you're not receiving texts, that's one thing. You're not receiving calls to your mobile phone, but you are receiving them at home. How many of these are you getting every single week? I reckon probably three or four a week, and they're usually from companies abroad Mm. trying to sell me really predictable things like PPI insurance uh, claims, that sort of thing, and I'm really not interested. And these people won't go away? 
will they? No, they keep coming back, and it tends to be the same voices. I recognise yeah. the same voices. Start to build up this relationship with them now. Really? And start asking them really impersonal questions. So it's got that bad that there is a personal relationship developing between yeah. you and the person on the other end of the phone. How yeah. ridiculous is that? It's getting a bit stupid, especially when they're phoning me up, and I'm saying, well, how are you this week? Because you mm. had a cold last week. And yeah. they don't quite know how to respond to that. Treat them with kindness, and they soon go away. I suppose you're thinking to yourself, if you're rude to them, they might put huh? one of these blacklists and you'll get even more calls. That would be delightful. Please go ahead and do that. That would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> OK, just lastly, the, the consumer group, which they're calling for a task force to deal with this, I'm sure that you go along with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good idea and try and get some proper regulation in place so people aren't bothered by this, because for some people it must be very frightening. That, that, that guy sounded mental. He was an interesting guy. <laughs> a very interesting guy. We had a long conversation afterwards about my broadcast equipment, which is very, very nice. But uh, in terms of myself, in the last week here, we're talking the last week here, I've had a text about PPI insurance. I've had two calls, one of those recorded, and another one as well with a salesperson, which woke me up in the afternoon. Oh, there I am. I get up early in the morning, trying to have a nice afternoon kip, and there they come. I don't need it personally, but these problems, unfortunately, won't go away. And as you've heard there, which trying to do something about it. A member of our team, I, I, I won't mention any names, but she's tiny, mm. uh, is, is messaging me saying, I used to be a cold caller. Yeah. I got five an hour. I worked for a national opinions poll. I had to ring people and ask them for their thoughts on things like hormone replacement therapy. <laughs> I think one person spoke to me nicely out of all the people I called. Yeah. I lasted two shifts. Oh, bless I've it. got friends that have done it, and it, it, it's a dirty job, but really, I mean, go, 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 there are better things you could do, surely. There are, but then again, I suppose for those people, they've got to earn a living. It's like me, I suppose, every morning. You irritate people every morning. Yes, aggravating people. You know, these people have got a job to do, but there comes a point where you've got to say, come on, enough is enough. This problem simply isn't going away, and from the people that I've been talking to this morning, it's getting worse. I've got to say, Justin, if you gave me a call at uh, half past Mm. eight in the evening trying to sell me insurance, you could probably charm me round. You're a very, very very charming man. Are you trying to get rid of me? Uh, Yes, I am. Bye. Right, 7.45. Here's the travel news now. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. The M25 anti-clockwise has patchy delays from Junction 21 for the M1 all the way to Junction 15 for the M4. The worst the queuing on my cameras looks like between Junction 16 to 15. Over in Enfield, Southbury Road is closed in both directions between Silver Street and Willow Road for a surfacing work. That's following a gas leak which happened last night. The A1M southbound has delays between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. And finally, on the A5 High Street north in Dunstable, there's very slow traffic from Church Street towards the junction for the M1. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 7.46. It's Tuesday the 19th of March and these are your headlines. A Stevenage woman is accusing Hertfordshire police of dragging her name through the mud by telling prospective employers she's been prosecuted for theft even though she was found not guilty. Milton Keynes Hospital has failed to meet all five standards of care for elderly patients set out by health watchdogs at the Care Quality Commission. In sport, the former referee Dermot Gallagher says it's not a foregone conclusion that Wigan's Callum McManaman will be banned by the FA for his tackle on Newcastle's Masadio Hidara. Coming up, a decision... I got all of that wrong, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Coming up, a decision to invest £27,000 in a portable stage as part of town centre improvements in Hatfield is being heavily criticised. Before 8 o'clock, we'll be speaking to Hatfield Town Councillor Dean Archer. But before that, let's get the weather with Georgina Burnett. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, any mist and fog will be slow to clear, but we should have some bright spells today. There is going to be a fair amount of cloud lingering, though, and some uh, rather heavy showers with some thunder and hail mixed in. Temperatures reaching 6 or 7 degrees Celsius. Tonight, any showers should die away, leaving us with a largely dry night. Mist and fog is likely to develop, and uh, there's also a risk of some localised frost with freezing temperatures. Tomorrow, a lot of cloud around and some wintry rain, which should die down by the early evening. It's going to be a cold night tomorrow night with some uh, just occasional flurries. In the day, though, we'll have highs of 6 degrees Celsius. Thursday starts off with uh, a frosty morning, but it should be a dry, bright day. As we head to the evening, though, the wind picks up, and in the night, we're expecting sleety rain. On Friday and Saturday, isolated snow showers becoming persistent. This is Georgina Burnett for BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Georgina. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I don't know why he was asking those questions in a Metal Mickey style voice. That's not his normal voice. And again, I, I, this is the last time I'll, I'll flag it up. It's not actually. I'll probably do it again. If you missed his show yesterday, Jonathan's show yesterday, BBC iPlayer, I've tweeted the link at Ian Lee. BBC iPlayer, two hours and 30 minutes in, pretty much on the nose. It is just one of the the funniest bits of radio i've heard in ages him and uh, tim who's who helps in the consumer hour oh my goodness how do they keep a straight face talking to to ricky who it turns out ricky is a very very naughty man or at least at least ricky would like to be a very naughty man given the opportunity it's wonderful go two hours 30 minutes bbc iplayer yesterday's show it's the consumer story uh, about a gentleman signing up to a dating website I can't say any more than that. It's it's so funny. Oh man, they, they should, honestly, someone should make a, an animator should get that clip, make a little YouTube video out of it. It would it, honestly that would go around the world. That will make that that will make Jonathan a, a star around the world. A little animation of that. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm going to get um, Tim to say that to me later on. That little uh, anyway. Onwards and upwards, shall we, dear listener? A decision to invest £27,000 on a portable stage as part of town centre improvements in Hatfield is being heavily criticised. The money from the Porter's prize winnings to regenerate local areas has been used by Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council. They say it'll be used for events and fates and it'll attract new people. So do people in Hatfield think it's a good or a bad idea? Our reporter Simon Watts has been to see. Bad one. I think that they need to sort out the rat problems, they need to sort out the repairs before they put up stupid things like a stage that's not needed. You told me that you lived in Hatfield, but you don't anymore. No, I moved out six months ago because I couldn't stand the place anymore. It's just too dirty, too dim, too dank. I moved to Welling Garden, where at least you, the, the council in Welling Garden actually see too well in garden before they buy stupid things you don't see the wisdom and they they're saying that it will attract uh, more people to the town center if there are performances and events you it'll attract more students that's about all it's going to attract you know it's not going to attract the normal person because 
people like me, we're just not interested in that. We'd rather have a nice shop, somewhere to shop, uh, somewhere nice to go that where you haven't got rats running around your feet. They've got more important things to spend money on. They need to spend it on housing repairs, tidying up Hatfield, not putting things in that's probably going to get wrecked within 10 minutes anyway. If this portable stage is used to hold an event in the town centre, a big fete or something like that, would you go along to it? No, I wouldn't, to be honest with you. I think it'd cause more trouble than anything because you're going to have people drinking and things like that and it's just going to cause fights and arguments that aren't necessary. So do you think the idea of this portable stage in the town centre is a good or a bad one? A good one. Because they need events to happen in the town centre and nothing happens right now with the exception of the market. So they need something to happen so we can draw people into the town centre and create business for the shops that are there. And we need something to draw because there's nothing at the moment. Do you feel the money could have possibly been invested in more resourceful things or do you think that the most important thing is, is getting people in? To the town centre? The most important thing is getting people into the town centre. They've done a lot of work around the town centre to improve the environment and it's not a massive amount of money so I don't really know what else they could do. I think they're quite restricted in what they had to spend. And hopefully with performances on the stage and events happening, more people will come and more people will use the shops I suppose. Yeah, they need some, they've done similar things in Welland and, and they've got connections between the town centre managers and that works really, really well. So same thing here, we should have the same results to draw people in to get business into the town centre. Bad idea, I don't think it will attract the average person. No. I mean, the, the town itself is so scruffy, isn't it? It really needs some work done on it, make it more interesting for people to shop here. We've only got really guys to, you know. A portable stage in the town centre, a good or bad idea? Uh, a good idea, because it will attract uh, many people. So if there's a performance in the town centre, you go along, would you? Uh, yeah, I go. I think it's a good idea. A portable stage in the town centre here, is yeah, that, that good or bad? It's rubbish. For what? What are, we, what are they coming to see? What, what attract, attract people to what? There's nothing here to attract. So you think the most, uh, the most important thing is to maybe improve the surroundings here before you attract before people? Before you attract people, yeah, definitely. It's a waste of time. What you're coming to see, the biggest thing we've got in Hatfield is Asta. That, that's the most exciting bit it gets. That's it. Well, with us now is Hatfield Town Councillor Dean Archer. Morning, Dean. What do you think about this stage? Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, I started the Porter's Pilot over a year ago and I invited other members of, to join me from other parties. Uh, I researched other successful local markets like St Albans, Hitchin, Hartford, Bobbindon to see what they had to offer and I devised a scheme to improve Hatfield's ne- neglected town centre uh, to make it bigger and better and to attract families and the 12,000 local students we have at the university who currently have nowhere to go. That's 40,000 people in all. Uh, the Conservatives, the Conservative leader, sorry, politically hijacked the scheme because there was a, an elections coming up, uh, put in a fellow Conservative, and the scheme was then run uh, in not the way that I'd, I'd hoped. I'm really pleased that Hatfield won the money, but uh, we could have done the better things. How much money did, did, did you get in total? We won £100,000. Right, so that's, that's, well, that's 27%. That's, even yeah. I can do that simple so maths. We could have created a bit bigger and better, vibrant market. What, uh, would, you, what would you have done? How would you, how would you have spent the money then, Dean? OK, uh, I'd invited uh, market traders for a six-month period uh, and paid them £50 each. So £50 for 20 traders for six months would be £24,000. Allow 15 other stockholders to operate for free for six months, so that's nil cost. Install an attractive six-metre-diameter Edwardian-style bandstand. A bandstand? Yeah, that would act as a uh, focal point for 
for the town, uh, for, but, for a historic town. But Dean, no one, no one uses bandstands anymore. Uh, they do actually. I've, I've been around the country and and, and uh, done a lot of research. Okay. Well, what 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 would have happened in the bandstand? Don't say have a band. <laughs> well, you could have a band. You could have like, uh, entertainers, buskers, etc. Okay. Could, and, and that would be alongside the market. How much is a bandstand these days? Thirty thousand pounds. Hang, hang on a second, Dean. So they've spent twenty-seven grand on this stage, and you want to spend thirty grand on a bandstand? How is how is that different? Because uh, the bandstand is permanent, the right? Sta- right. Okay. There's no there's no cost once it's installed. That's it. The the stage is twenty-seven thousand pounds, but it's going to take three to four people every time to erect it and to tow it behind the vehicle, which is going to be a minimum of six hundred pounds a time. Well, the council say it's only going to be three hundred and fifty pounds. The time. Uh, well, I, I can't see how they work that figure out because they're going to have to hire a lorry uh, and a driver that's uh, able to tow a, a trailer that is nine metres long. I listen, Dean. I like I like your idea about getting market traders in. I think that's a cracking idea. You spend a few quid, get some more market traders in, and hopefully that they'll stick and it, it 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 will attract business. But there will be people listening to this, Dean. I'm sure, who are thinking that that not only the people that recommended the stage for twenty seven grand. But you as well recommending a bandstand for thirty thousand people, the thirty thousand pounds. There'll yeah, be pe- there'll, there'll be people going. The, the new councillors are completely out of touch with what people want. No, that's that's not that's not the end of all of it. We, there's also flower beds that are a complete waste of space down there. Right. Then they they should all be removed, and then we install some shipping containers like they have in Shoreditch, where they've got their uh, pop-up market. That's ten thousand uh, pounds. Brighten up the whole of the market square for six thousand pounds in paint. Uh, I was promised that by the Borough Council, but that's never happened. Uh, 20 new colourful canopies are £200 each, so that's £4,000. Mm. Uh, budget of £200 a Saturday for six months for professional, uh, professional street entertainers. Because remember, this money yeah. was supposed to be to attract people into the town. Of course. OK, if, you, if you've got a, a portable stage, you're only going to be able to use it whenever it's, it's called for. Now, if they've planned to have an entertainment every weekend in the town, mm. then great. But why spend £27,000 plus the cost of towing it there, erecting it, when you could have had a bandstand there permanently? Dean, do we know what events are coming up where this stage might possibly be used? No, we don't. The, the, the other problem is, is because of the way that they are doing the town and they've limited the a- a- access with sort of bollard-type things... To stop vehicles getting in and out of the town, yeah. there's a possibility, there's a problem that that stage might not even be able to get into the middle of the town. You're joking. Hang on a second. This, this stage that they spent 27 grand on might not be able to go into the centre of the town? Possibly, yes. Well, if that's true, that's incredible. Dean, we've got 30 seconds. What's your, what's your message to, to, to Welling Hatfield Borough Council? Well, it should have never been run by a council. It's supposed to have been run uh, by the residents. But unfortunately, nobody got involved. Was it put out to the residents and they didn't get involved, or was that option not given to them? It, the option wasn't given to them. Right, I was okay. doing it, not as a councillor, I was doing yep. it as myself, Dean Archer. Well, Dean Archer, thank you very much for, for joining us, uh, Hatfield Town Councillor and man about town as well. We did ask well in Hatfield uh, uh, Borough Council to speak to us today. They sent us a statement. Um, it's a sh- Basically, it says it's a shame that any positive news in respect of the town centre continues to be criticised by a small minority. Well, what do you think? Are they out of touch? A stage or a bandstand? Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M25 anti-clockwise has patchy delays from Junction 21 for the M1 all the way to Junction 15 for the M4. Over in Enfield, Southbury Road is closed in both directions between Silver Street and Willow Road for a surfacing work following a gas leak last night. That's put 10 bus routes on diversion. And I've had a call in about some traffic lights not working in Bedford on the A6 Ampchill Road near the Kempston Retail Park. It's causing some confusion and that is causing some delays. If you know any more, call our travel line on 08459 455 555. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. You sped through that because of my clumsy timing. Thank you. What, what, what do you think? Are the council completely out of touch? Either £27,000 on a stage or thirty grand on a bandstand? I'm scratching my head ever so slightly. 08459 455 555. Speak to you after the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, carer calls for CRB overhaul, MK Hospital misses elderly care target and a royal appointment for Buckinghamshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Stevenage woman is calling for an overhaul of CRB checks claiming too much information could have ruined her life. Care worker Lorraine Nugent says she was turned down for two jobs as soon as employers found out about a court appearance for theft and deception even though she'd been found not guilty. Miss Nugent told Ian Lee she had to fight to have those details removed. If it's meant to protect people especially the vulnerable yeah go ahead put it on and I can actually see a point but why does it have to put the details like that on there Um, I spoke to the police and they actually said to me the police officer was very rude and he actually said there's no smoke without fire Independent care watchdog say Milton Keynes Hospital is failing to treat elderly patients with dignity and respect. Milton Keynes Hospital failed to meet all five of the Care Quality Commission's elderly care targets, although inspectors found standards nationwide had deteriorated significantly since 2011. Chris Day is from the CQC. Milton Keynes itself is is one of a number of organisations where they're putting in place plans around staffing and also around how they're going to uh, provide extra support for staff. From our perspective today, what we want to focus on is that is the leadership have to take this seriously it's a basic level of care and and leaders have to take it seriously when planning what how they deliver care in their hospitals or indeed in their care homes Ministers are preparing to announce more help for working parents to meet the cost of childcare. From 2015, those earning less than £150,000 each will receive up to £1,200 a year for each child. Wellin and Hatfield's decision to spend its share of Porter's pilot money on a portable stage is coming in for widespread criticism this morning. The Borough Council spent £27,000 on the equipment, which will cost a further £600 every time it's used and dismantled. Scratch and sniff cards are Hertfordshire Police's latest weapons in the fight against crime. The force is teaming up with Crime Stoppers to get more of us to recognise the smell of cannabis in the hope it'll lead to more reports of its use and cultivation. The Duke and Duchess of Cornwall are visiting Buckinghamshire later. William and Kate are meeting staff at the offices of Child Bereavement UK at Saunderton. Katie Kohler from the charity told us what the royal couple can expect. They're going to have a tour round and have a look at our fundraising department and at our training department um, and at bereavement services. But more importantly than, than any of all this is they will get to meet the families that we are currently supporting. Um, We're going to have a group of um, children with their parents and also our YPAG, which is our Young Persons Advisory Group. In sport, MK Dons will be without skipper Dean Lewington for tonight's League One match at Crewe. He's still nursing an injury from Saturday's win over Tranmere. The weather, sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later, along with a top temperature of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. 
this completely wrong okay this twenty-seven thousand pounds being spent on a portable stage okay first of all do you think it's a good idea or a waste of money this is in hatfield it's part of that portis money that was was handed out 100 grand was handed out to make hatfield to rejuvenate the town get people back into the town twenty-seven thousand pounds has been spent on a portable stage the other councillor who disapproves of it wanted to spend 30 grand on a bandstand a bandstand in 2013? Listen, I like bandstands. I think they look great. But all you're going to get is teenagers weeing on it, drinking hooch and having it off. That's all that's going to happen, isn't it? Are, are councillors completely out of touch? I thought some of the other plans that Dean had were, were cracking, getting some market traders in, but brightening up, making it a bit more colourful. But a bandstand and a portable stage? What do you think? Am I being a bit harsh there? 08459 455 555. Other stories this morning include a Stevenage woman says her life has been ruined after she was prosecuted but cleared of deception and theft. We'll look at why information still comes up in criminal record checks, even if you're not guilty. And cannabis, when it's growing, do you know what it smells like? Hertfordshire Police is going to be handing out scratch and sniff cards to help you detect cannabis farms. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Include your name, please, otherwise it won't get read. I'd like to know who you are. Or, and this is my favourite way, you've been a bit quiet on the phones this morning. You're all right. You're right, love. Give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire care worker says her life as a carer has been ruined after two future employers were told she was taken to court for deception, even though she was cleared of committing any offence. Lorraine Nugent from Stevenage says criminal record checks led to the job offers being withdrawn because of her court appearance. Earlier, I met Lorraine and we went through her CRB form together. Have you got the, you got the CRB here? I've got the CRB. Can I, am I allowed to have a little look at it? Absolutely. Let's have it's a look. It's got six, six uh, paragraphs that really put, make me out. If okay. I read it, I wouldn't employ somebody. Oh, my if goodness. Look at you. What a naughty lady you and are. On, the back. on May the 20, uh, 24th of May 2007, Lorraine Nugent was arrested on suspicion of committing an offence of theft. So at Luton Crown Court, Lorraine Nugent was found not guilty of three far- charges of, uh, of, uh, and of theft. And then again, it states everything again. Yeah. So she was found not, you were found not guilty of three charges of theft by employee, three charges of obtaining property, three, ch- so basically not guilty, not guilty, not Absolutely guilty. not guilty. And everything was proved with every receipt, everything. <laughs> now, if I, if I read this and didn't get to the last paragraph, I think, oh dear, no, So really. with everybody, Do I showed we... my friends who are support, um, support workers, social workers, and everybody, nobody can believe it. Lorraine's current partner also died during the investigation. What, what is the relevance of that on there? Absolutely no idea. Up until the last paragraph, you think, oh, dearie me. Then the last paragraph says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Mm-hmm. So you're not guilty. And there's the proof. Not guilty. You go from doing voluntary work at this place to applying for paid work. Yes. What happened? I, well, with the voluntary, as I say, the, the certificate comes through absolutely absolutely Doesn't clear. show any of Nothing that Nothing on there. Okay. Yeah, as soon as I apply for paid work, all this information comes through. Mm. And so what did the, your potential employers say? Um, with, with one of them, I never heard back from them. Right. And every time I phoned. But um, with the other one, I actually was offered the job. I even had the, off- the training programme to go to and everything. And then they had to pull um, the lady out to say she's really sorry. They had to um, go back on it. 
because of what was says on that CRB. The CRB. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating story. We can speak now to Dan Hyde, who's a partner specialising in business crime at Howard Kennedy FSI. Morning, Dan. Good morning. How complicated is the process of checking someone's criminal record? Um, It's not complicated at all. There's a new um, service called Disclosure and Barring Service, and effectively now um, employers simply ask for the details. And in certain circumstances, if it's a job, um, for example, working with children or potentially with adults that may be vulnerable, they can then receive what's called enhanced um, information back, which includes not only things you might expect them to find out about you, but also, for example, what's called spent convictions, which which normally you wouldn't need to to provide to employers. So an employer can now be provided with a whole host of information, including convictions that, if you like, are spent and wouldn't ordinarily see the light of day. So what what do you mean by spent convictions? They happened over five years ago or something? Depending on the offence you, you commit, after a certain period of time, um, the, the law says it should be spent. So, so taking an example, if you um, went to prison for a sentence that was, say, between 30 months and 48 months, the law says that um, after, after seven years it's spent. So it would mean that, that you know, for, for this length of sentence, this length of time, it's seven years, you can regard it as spent. So you would not have to tell an employer, you would not have to declare it to anybody. It's, it's as though it, you, you're rehabilitated, it was never there. However, the law then goes on to say that there are certain exceptions um, to those spent convictions, and they include, for example, if somebody may be working with, with children, if they're in, say, an occupation or profession such as medicine or law where there might be an element of trust. And that's when it gets difficult, because when you then um, apply for a job, many employers will say, OK, what sort of check are we able to do on this person? And they may decide they can go for sort of a, an enhanced, if you like, a, a, a souped-up check, and that can pull out all sorts of information, including um, a, a conviction that you thought was was spent and that nobody was entitled to know about. Now, the thing about Lorraine's case, Dan, and I saw her CRB, yeah. she let me read it, is that um, she was in court for deception, um, yeah. but found not guilty. Why would that yeah. be on a, on a CRB? Um, unfortunately, it is because it's recorded. So, for, for example, um, if you're prosecuted, you, you, um, that's what's called the pending prosecution. Um, and that's also... Um, recordable information so that, that that is noted down so for example um you could be under prosecution and, and there's no result at all and you would have a pending prosecution on your record and following that through uh, as in i think that lady lorraine's case ultimately she was found not guilty so i suppose what they've done is they simply noted that on there and then they, they provided all of that to the potential employer but uh, the problems with that level of transparency, as, as is clear from your interview with her, is that it, it, it can severely prejudice people. It does seem uh, odd because there's the whole, you know, innocent to proven guilty. She was proven not guilty. So surely I would have thought that, that, that the court case would be irrelevant then for things like that. I, I, I think there's a strong argument um, for, for that, 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 that that sort of information where it's, where it's more prejudicial than, than if you like, than, than probative. I think there's a very good argument that, that it shouldn't be released. Um, the difficulty is, as I say, I mean, it's a, a relatively new scheme we, we've got now, which is called the Disclosure and Barring Service, which is slightly different to the, the, the Criminal Records Bureau. But if anything, that, that has access to even more information. Um, and the problem is it, 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 it relies to a great um, degree on, on, on them looking at it and deciding what is relevant and what isn't relevant. So it's the same with the police when they're providing information. They will look at the role, 
somebody's providing for, they can provide evidence over and above just criminal, um, criminal um, records. Um, and you can have a situation where you say, well, actually, I've done nothing wrong. But the fact that you feel like you're under suspicion or you're prosecuted, that makes it impossible for you to, to secure that job. There was an incredible amount. It's, you know, it's fascinating reading somebody else's CRB or, or, or uh, DBS. There was an incredible amount of information on there from the court case, including the death of her husband, the death of her partner. Again, all, all irrelevant. But I, I suppose, what, is it done by a computer? It's just everything's dumped on there, is it? It, it, it is. It depends. On, I mean, that sounds to me as though they must have had quite a high level of, 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 of check carried out because when the employer applies, as I said, there's various levels. There's a, mm. a standard level, which will bring up the sort of information you might expect to see. But then you've got enhanced level. And then even above that, you've got, if you like, you know, enhanced, enhanced level. And, and when you follow it through the system, the employer just pays the relevant fee. Um, if they say that the person comes into that, that category because the job might bring them into contact with, say, children or there's, there's a, a high degree of trust, um, then they just get all that information back. And, and you're right, if, if, if you've been through the process and been found not guilty, there's a very good argument to say, I'm being prejudiced for, for, for no good reason. Dan, how can people get information off of their, their, their checks? Is that possible? They can, well, an individual can apply themselves. So you, you, you would apply, so call the Disclosure and Barring Service. Um, I, the, the, you could the, you could probably go onto their their website. I'm sure it's gov gov uk or one of the government websites. But it'd be easy to get get hold of that. But you can apply and do a self check. Um, I think if you're doing a self check, you don't get every last bit of information. It would be what's called a standard check. But at least you get an insight into what what might be there. But that's probably worth doing. So it's less than say an an, employ, uh, an employer would get. But I think that's the best thing to do. Ha- have a look, see whether anything's coming up. I mean, it might even be that something is mistakenly on there that you ought to know about. Dan, thank you very much. That's Dan Hyde, a partner specialising in business crime at Howard Kennedy FSI. If this has happened to you, um, you, you think, oh, I've got a completely clean CRB or disclosure and barring service. It's just a formality. Please, oh, please come and have a look. I'm nothing. Oh, yes, I went to court four years ago. and was, was, was charged with something naughty, but I was found not guilty. So, no, no. What, sorry, it's showing on there. You're not going to give me a job? But, but, if that's happened to you, I can't believe it's happened to that many people. I think Lorraine, who we, uh, we, we spoke to earlier, she, she must be a rarity. Mustn't she? I'm a big fan of the CRB and the DBS. I've said this before, I think they're great. Hey, if you're working with my kids, yeah, you go and get checked out. You go and get checked out, of course. But when people are losing jobs for, no, for literally no reason, this is the thing I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head trying to work out, she was found not guilty, so she hasn't committed a crime. So to, to, to lose a job that she'd been offered and had been on the training for because of that... That can't be right. Well, it isn't right, is it? Again, I, I can't imagine there are many people listening to this show. I could end that sentence there, but I'll carry on. I can't believe there are many people listening to this show who uh, that, that has happened to. If it has happened to you or someone you know, 08459 455 555. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can send me a text. Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Put your name on the text, please. I like to know who you are. Here's the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts, and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Traffic is busy this rush hour on the M25 anti-clockwise. Apache delays from Junction 21 for the M1 all the way to Junction 15 for the M4. I've got my cameras up at the moment. The worst the queues seem to be between Junction 18 to 16. Traffic is slow in Chesant this morning on the A10 Great Cambridge Road from the links to the Winston Churchill Way. And further north in Standon on Stortford Road heading into Bishop Stortford. There's congestion at the High Street. I've checked the A5 High Street north southbound in Dunstable. The queues have worsened, I'm afraid. There's heavy traffic from Church Street towards the M1 at Junction 9. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Morning, it's 8.15. It's Tuesday the 19th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Stevenage woman is calling for an overhaul of criminal records checks claiming too much information almost ruined her life. Independent care watchdogs say Milton Keynes Hospital is failing to treat elderly patients with dignity and respect. In sport, Luton Town will play Stockport tonight without suspended midfielder Arno Mendy, leaving the way clear for Solomon Taiwo's first start for the Hatters. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunny spells, scattered showers and the chance of thunder later, along with a top temperature of 7 degrees. Coming up before half past eight, we'll speak to Government Minister Grant Shapps, who launched the campaign for the Porter's Pilot. He's also the local MP. Is he happy with £27,000 being spent on a portable stage in Hatfield? BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something the train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is... Oh. oh, sorry, what's wrong? My word. What am I wearing on my head? Whose headphones are they? they those are good headphones. <laughs> they belong to a jock. Oh, my word. They're a jock's headphones. They're very loud. They're boomy. Yeah. Boomy. Oh. You are right, my dear? Yes, look at you and your crisp white shirt. That's yes. lovely. I bought some shirts. That's very And nice. I'm wearing one of them. Uh, you cheered me up. I had a miserable day yesterday. Broken down car, all kinds of nonsense going on. I was looking after the kids. I was tired. I spent money on my car. And then you sent me a lovely text, but flagging up a little bit of, as you often do, you always send me a text saying, what's well, a bit of my show is good. And uh, the, the, the consumer hour, I, I've, I've retweeted it again this morning, at Ian Lee, go and find it. Two and a half hours, two hours thirty, almost on the button uh, in yesterday's show. Uh, it, it's just... Wonderful. I'm going to find an animator. I'm going to get someone to animate that because I do think that's going to go global. Think how you're going to animate a, I have a newfound, newfound. I've, I always think Tim is brilliant, but I just think Tim was. Hmm. He he played it masterfully yesterday. Yesterday he was. Uh, yes, he was very professional. Ricky's a naughty man, isn't he? Well, I poor Ricky. He's a very I, naughty man. Poor Ricky. They took 120 quid. <laughs> he didn't want to lose 120 quid. But no, but fair. But I was thinking no. this. Fair play to him because this is how these people work. And Ricky was not embarrassed to come forward and, no. and, and complain. And let's face it, I mean, Ricky's a single man. 
uh, he was looking for love. He might, in my opinion, have been looking for love in the wrong places. But then, to be fair to him, he did also say that when uh, he was either looking for love or perhaps a one-night stand, he did say that initially when he came on the show. Oh, Ricky. I'd love to see a picture of Ricky. So, um, I wish Ricky happiness in his life. I yes. really do, genuinely. I like Ricky. He's a, he was nice a nice lad. He was a nice lad. He's down to earth. And I, yeah. I genuinely wish him happiness. BBC iPlayer, yesterday's JVS show... Two hours, 30 minutes in. This is the last I'm going to go on about it. It was, it was the funniest bit of radio I've heard in a long time. Well, thanks very much. Very I'm good. pleased it cheered you up. I can't get away from how white your shirt well, is. Well, look at you. you we're, we're like the opposite. We're yin and yang today. You're like a, a, a negative Rupert Bear. You're, uh, it's, it's the whitest white I've ever seen. Never been worn. Really? Yeah, straight out of the cellophane, little line over it. Shush, shush, shush. Beautiful. You're going to have to use some oxypower on that to keep it nicer while... <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing? I'm going to take it off and burn it later. I'm never going to wear this again. Really? Yeah, that's what I do. One wear, one wear. Take it off and burn it. it. I love the cutaway collar. Yeah, thanks very much. I won't burn it, of course. I shall give it a good, thoroughly good scrub. The kids will make it filthy today. What's on your show this morning, Jonathan? Coming up, well, talking of kids. Yes. Childcare. Yes. On this morning's big phone. And I'm asking at nine, should the government be helping parents with the cost of childcare? Ministers will announce plans to pay working families up to £1,200 per child Wonderful. per year towards the cost of childcare. The new telly. The new scheme will start being introduced in 2015. Um, it'll be formally announced in tomorrow's budget. The government says it will help many more pe- people than the current schemes, which include childcare vouchers. £1,200, though, goes, per goes, child per year. Goes towards a new car. They say that it's going to work for the first five years to start with, but they're gradually going to ex- extend it to children up to the age of 12. Mm. So if you've got... How many children you've got? Two, two. two boys, yes. Two. So £2,400 a year yep. you'll get towards your childcare um, for the rest of their children-like lives. Sweet. I'm in hog heaven. You like that? Disney World, here we come. But at a time when finances in this country are somewhat stretched... Is it really good use of taxpayers' money? I mean, there are lots of pensioners who are really struggling. There are people in our armed forces who are struggling. Is this £1,200 money well spent? Should the government be helping parents in this way with the cost of their childcare? I want your call, your opinion, your experience on the big phone in this morning at 9 08459 555. I'm giggling because... Why are you giggling? I'm trying to keep a straight face. I know. Because halfway through that, you went from all joshing to your serious face <laughs> and your whole your whole demeanor changes you go josh josh, josh to my serious face i don't i, I don't see this face <laughs> I, I understand it's quite a funny face it is very <laughs> funny it was a, it was the cha- it was the transformation from from light-hearted joshing to your serious well, face well dare i suggest a lot of people out there listening will think 1200 pounds oh. per child per year yes. towards childcare is quite a lot. I agree. There may yes, even be some people, I may suggest this morning, who might even say, if this is going to encourage women to go back to work rather than staying at home and bringing up their own children, yeah. perhaps it's a very bad thing that people are doing. I don't know. We'll see what people's views are on the big phone-in at nine. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Good news, everybody. The money from the Porter's Prize winnings to regenerate local areas has been used by Wellin and Hatfield Borough Council. 
on a giant stage, and it's costing £27,000. Well, the council say it'll be used for events and fates to attract new people. Earlier on in the show, I spoke to town councillor Dean Archer. He thinks it's a waste of money, and the cash could be spent on, oh, he thinks, a bandstand instead. Well, Grant Shapps is the government minister who launched the competition for towns to win the money. He's also the Conservative MP for Well in Hatfield, and he joins me now. Grant, what, what do you think of the way the money's being spent? Morning. Uh, well, this was always the way that the money was bid, so this is not some new idea that sort of just uh, cropped up. And it's not the council, as I understand it, but it's the actual Porter's Pilot team. That's kind of local people. Uh, it does include the council. It includes um, everyone. Um, and so I think it's, this, is, uh, this is exactly what was intended. It's a good idea to bring people into the town centre. And whether it's a stage or a bandstand, I think, really is semantics. Well, how is a stage going to bring people into the town centre? Well, obviously, with a stage, you can put on functions and uh, events. You can you can advertise, for example, that the coming Saturday you're going to have a certain activity going on, uh, and uh, you know that will encourage people to come to the town. So well, what kind of activities? The problem, the problem that Hatfield has, by the way, is footfall number of people coming to the yes. town uh, to be there and then to shop. Um, and uh, right now, for the first time in years and years, there's activity, there's regeneration going on in Hatfield Town Centre. If you go into Hatfield Town Centre, you'll see around White Lion Square and around the other end of the town centre by the Asda, there's actually something going on. Well, what are you going to have, good news, what are you gonna have Grant, what are you going to have on this stage to attract people? Well, it can be all sorts of community-driven events. You, you might have a, a band on, you might have dancing, you might have Zumba. I mean, you could do all sorts of uh, different Zumba. things. I'm obviously not in charge of the programming for that, but uh, whatever is popular. And how, is, how, is is having Zumba, how is having Zumba on a stage going to attract people to Hatfield? Well, anything which brings people into town. I'm not saying it necessarily has to be Zumba, but anything which brings people into town has to be good. So I think this is like a terrible sort of culture of just knocking things almost for the sake of knocking it. I know the council he had on, Dean Archer, doesn't like anything if it's not his own idea, sadly. But what we've got is, I think, a good idea to get people into town. I don't care whether it's a, a stage or a bandstand or whatever. Whatever is going to bring people in, whatever is going to increase the number of shoppers in Hatfield is surely a good thing. And for the first time in years, as I say, there's actually some development going on Well, I Hatfield, think one of, the, great. one of the great things, I'm sure you'd agree, uh, Grant, is that it, it, it's one of the great things about this country and it, it, is that we can question where our money's being spent. Quite right, yeah. uh, And, and yeah. we have not had one person this morning say they think 27 grand on a portable stage is a good idea. Well, look, uh, the, the Portus pilot process that wasn't just sort of, um, didn't just come from nowhere, it was a well-worked-up um, programme in which different towns around the country had to bid for money, and they had to say what they were going to use the money on. Um, it, it, from the introduction, it sounded like this was almost like an afterthought. Not, not at all. This was actually key to the, to the original application. So it was judged on the basis of how the money was going to be spent and whether it was judged that this would bring people into town and, and help. The answer was yes, and that's how the Porters and Pilot money was... Uh, 600 quid a time, we've been told, to, to, to set this stage up and to, to move it around. I, I, look, I'm not part of the Porters team, so I can't. I, I don't know whether that's true or not true. What I do know is that... It's Hatfield a lot of money has, if it's true, isn't it? It's, I mean, that's well, crazy. Look, look, do we want... Here's a simple question. Yes. Do we want to bring people into Hatfield? Yes or no? If the answer is yes... Um, then let's do something about it. Now, I would love that to be the £120 million regeneration that fell apart under the, uh, under the um, previous, you know, when the recession started. That, that would be fantastic. All singing, all dancing. If we're not going to get that, 
then let's get on with some of the regeneration. But that what can people be done. don't, I don't think understand. Let me just finish this. Let me just finish this point. Let me get well, on. If you're going to keep knocking what will happen a few years ago, then don't bother. What what people want yeah. to know is is a stage really the best use of of money? Well, look, people had everyone had the chance to be part of the sports pilot. What I was going to say is, you know, we've got regeneration going on, so that's that that's um, you know both where the Simmons Baker was, where the kind of pound shop was, and the entrance to the arcade for people who know Hatfield. At the other end, um, where where the uh, opposite the ASDA, so we've got some regeneration going on. That's obviously a lot more expensive than twenty grand, um, but I think it's also important to do things which bring people into town. Now, this sports pilot wasn't just sort of didn't come out of thin air. Everyone had the chance to have their say in this thing. I'm afraid the council that you've got on this morning is grumpy about everything, always, under all circumstances, unless it's precisely his idea. This is what the people of Hatfield decided. The Porter's Pilot involved anybody who wanted to come along and have a say. Uh, I'm prepared, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I didn't decide it, but I tell you what, I'm prepared to back people's ideas uh, when they have a good idea to bring people into town. Getting people in for an hour on a Saturday, is that really good enough? Surely you want people to come in and stay yeah, well, look, may, may, maybe this will be part of a renaissance which gets people into town and staying in town. Town centres, as you know, have been suffering massively. But there are things that you can do at shops that you can't do on the internet or out of town. Uh, one of those things is, um, you know, well, things which are activities, yes. Um, dancing, going to hear people um, sing or or, uh, or show or whatever. Yeah, those are things which get people into town. Uh, but so could be going to get your hair cut or going for a coffee with, with friends. These are things that you can only do in communal gatherings. So it seems obvious to me that the things you need to put into a town centre are the things that get people together. And that's why this, as part of many other things, I think is a very good idea. And I don't think we should be knocking it um, I think we should be no. um, encouraging I, I don't think we should be knocking I think we should be questioning it, definitely, because it's a lot of money. Gina Nailsbury has emailed us to say, councils are, are, are miles out of touch with public needs and opinions. In it's any not the council. We've already established it's not the council. This is your misreporting. It's okay, not but the, the council. council. No, but the council involved. people have decided. No, well, no, the council is just one partner. Well, yeah, the council are involved. The pilot. Yes. Well, as one partner. It's like saying yes. local people don't know what's going on. The lo- local people are also a partner okay. and all but this. The, so, but the so council... Let's not, let's, not, let's not misunderstand Grant. the story and then misquote it. No, we're not misquoting the story, Grant. The council are involved. The council are one partner. Okay. Uh, the university is another partner. The shopkeeper okay. another partner. Grant. Local people Grant. are another partner. Calm down. Calm down, Grant. I'm just reading you an email from a listener. I'm sure you want to hear what people are, are saying, don't you? Uh, yeah, but this listener's in Ellsbury. Um, the town is in Hatfield. Okay. What people of Hatfield want okay, is Grant, for that I won't town read you. I won't to read come you. to life again. So you don't no, want no, to listen. Away, no, away, no, if you don't want to listen to someone's opinion just because they're in Ellsbury, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. It's a little bit narrow-minded, but it's fine. I ne- no, 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 no. Listen, I merely want to point out two errors in your report. Number one error, really. This is not the What's the council. second error? This is, not, this is not the council doing it. This okay. is but the council are involved, people. Grant. The council are involved, Grant. Yes, I know, but the way that the email is about to come okay. across, okay. you're about to read out. Well, you've not listened to, to it, Grant. You've, 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 you've shown you don't want to listen to, to people's opinions. That's absolutely I fine. Love, we I will, love to listen to local people's will, opinions, and this is a, this is a project will, which is run well, by local people. Yes, OK. You're also a government minister, so I'd have thought you'd want to listen to opinions from all across the country, but perhaps I'm wrong there. Look, what I'm saying is, um, in Hatfield, this is what people of Hatfield um, yeah. have asked for. 
Okay. Uh, now, the thing I understand is, someone no, from the Ellsbury would want to bring in and comments on it, particularly Grant, if you misrepresent the story Grant, by saying it's the local council. Grant, the council are involved. We've established that. I apologise if I've misrepresented. Yeah. I apologise if I've misrepresented anyway, but the council are involved. Jane go, Jean goes on to make a, a point about towns. Jean lives in a town. I think she's able. Grant, I'm sure you would agree as a government minister that she's able to make a point about what people want in towns, isn't she? Sure. Sh- sure. Shall I read it or not bother? Okay, fine, thanks. Jean says, Councils, like government, are miles out of touch with public needs and opinion. In any town, a good start would be to halve parking costs and shop rents. Doesn't she have a point? She does, but parking, and this is why I say it's important to listen to people who are local. Everyone local knows that parking's free in Hatfield, number one. And secondly, as I say, this is not something that uh, councils or government has driven. It's something that local people have driven. Grant, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Always fun. Oh, it, it, is, it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Grant. Speak to you later on. Grant Shapps there. Let's get the travel news. It is fun. Let's get the travel news now with Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M11 into London has delays of nearly an hour now between Junction 8 at Bishop Stortford to 6 for the M25 through the roadworks. Over in Chesant, the A10 Great Cambridge Road, that's still busy from the links all the way to Winston Churchill Way. On the M25 anti-clockwise, there's still patchy delays from Junction 21 for the M1 all the way to Junction 15 for the M4. And over in Hemel Hempstead this morning, the A41 into town is slow traffic from Chesham because of an accident blocking a lane. Recovery work is underway, so hopefully that should be cleared up shortly. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. A little bit later than usual, but it was. I genuinely enjoyed that. A nice little sparring first thing in the morning. It wakes you up. You should all do it more often. And thank you to Grant for coming on and being a good sport. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, here are the 8.30 headlines. A Stevenage woman's calling for an overhaul of CRB checks claiming too much information almost ruined her life. Independent care watchdogs say Milton Keynes Hospital is failing to treat elderly patients with dignity and respect. And ministers are preparing to announce more help for working parents to meet the ch- cost of childcare. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rio Ferdinand has dismissed claims his England career is effectively over. He's withdrawn from the squad ahead of the upcoming World Cup qualifiers, blaming his fitness programme at Manchester United. Mark Ogden from The Telegraph thinks that's not the only reason. Ferdinand's contract expires in June. He still doesn't have a new contract. And, you know, despite having offers from the Far East and the Middle East and and America to to play on, the lucrative offers as well, they're not as appealing as playing for Manchester United. And... I think Rio's issue is if he goes back to play for England, that may be perceived by Ferguson as uh, a show of disloyalty or his priorities may not lie in the right place from Ferguson's perspective. MK Dons will be without skipper Dean Lewington for their League One match at Crewe tonight. He's nursing an injury sustained in Saturday's win over Tranmere. Manager Carl Robinson's looking forward to the match. He's a great admirer of Crewe's approach to football. Uh, they're a good footballer side and they're based on very strong principles and morals of a philo- football philosophy for many, many years. Going back to Dario Gradi and I think he's somebody that is, in football terms, will go down as a legend for what he's done at that particular football club. Also in League One, Stephen Idger at Berry. Borough will be hoping for more of the same from striker Danny Lopez after his hat-trick at the weekend. Here's their boss, Gary Smith. If we all get the opportunity to see him enough, is that when he gets in front of goal, as you can see, you, you feel confident that he might certainly make the goalkeeper work. And You know, his third was, was an absolute corker. 
Wickham Wanderers travel to Bradford tonight in League Two. Chairboy striker Matt McClaw could re- return after injury, but defender Dave Winfield remains a doubt. And Luton Town midfielder Arno Mendy is sub- suspended for tonight's conference match at home to Stockport. It could mean that Solomon Taiwo is given his first Hatter's start. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, that was fun, I enjoyed that. We must get Grant in, we should get Grant in one day. A little bit of sparring, it's good for the... But more people should have little mental tussles at 20 past eight in the morning. It sets you up for the day wonderfully. Coming up in the last 25 minutes of the show, have a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. We've put a picture up of a scratch and sniff card being handed out by Hertfordshire Police. It smells of cannabis. The police want you to use it to help them identify cannabis farms. Is that a good use of police money? Well, I'll be speaking to the Cannabis Law Reform Party in a few minutes to see what they think. And man, isn't it annoying when most of the calls you get to your landline are from insurance companies, PPI, people doing surveys about banks. Well, seven out of ten of us have been cold called by companies in the last three months. Justin Dealey's been finding out what you can do about it. Now, Hearts Police want you to scratch and sniff out cannabis farms in Hertfordshire. Crime Stoppers has joined forces with officers in a campaign to tackle cannabis cultivation by distributing 2,000 scratch-and-sniff cards to the public. It's to help people to recognise the smell of growing cannabis so they can detect cannabis farms. Well, 104 farms were found in Hertfordshire between 2010 and 2012. Peter Reynolds is from Clear, the Cannabis Law Reform Party, and joins us now. Morning, Peter. Good morning. Peter, what do you think of these scratch-and-sniff cards? Well, I mean, there's so many things that are wrong and bad and immoral about it that it's difficult to know where to start. But, I mean, I think, I think the, the most crucial point is what an appalling and dreadful waste of public money. Well, I think, I think that, that we were told that it's, it's only about 20 grand for, for several thousand cards across the country. It works out as a couple of pence a, a card. So it's, well, not, it's not that think, bad, I, is it? I can think of many better ways that our police force could be uh, tack- spending £20,000. They could be tackling some real crime that has real victims. You know? what, what's immoral about this, Peter? Well, because it's, I mean, there are two forms, there are two, in law, there are two types of crime, if you like. There's, there's a t- type of crime that is called malum in se, that is something that's wrong in itself. In other words, if you attack somebody or if you steal something, and there's malum prohibitum, where something is, is, is illegal simply because it's been made so by statute. And quite clearly, the laws against cannabis are that. You know, the reason that the police are pursuing this angle is because it's easy meat for them. Instead of going out and tackling burglars or people who knock old ladies over the head, what they want to do is they want to go and interfere in people's right to grow a few cannabis plants privately in their own home. This is not, not going to catch major organised crime who are, who are involved in human trafficking and destruction of rental property. What this is going to do is persecute people who are using something that is hundreds of times safer than alcohol in their own home in private. I think it, I don't think it's, it's necessarily after the, the, you know grandma who's growing a little plant for, a, for a, a, her MS or you know people who have got maybe a couple of plants in, in, in the... I think it is for people isn't it? That you're not going to smell it outside unless it's quite a big operation. Well a big operation, you know these big operations they use very sophisticated ventilation systems with carbon filters that prevent any smell from coming outside now this is just a cheap publicity shot for the police 
which will enable them to catch a few more people, just like the grandma who's growing a few plants for her arthritis, or the MS sufferer who's growing a few plants, and has been denied the legal Sativex cannabis because it's too expensive and the NHS can't pay for it. You, you can get uh, cannabis on the NHS in some places, can't you? Sativex, the people who make Sativex, GW Pharma, charge the NHS ten times what you can buy cannabis for on the street. And pharmacologically, both products are identical. 104 cannabis farms were found in Hertfordshire between 2010 and 2012. They, they do need to be found and stopped, don't they? Well, I mean, what, what that tells you, and I mean, I can't remember exactly what the figure is, how they've increased, but I mean, worldwide, sorry, nationwide, I mean, the, the figure has gone up enormously. And that's because there is a huge demand for cannabis. Now, if there's a huge demand for something and you try and prohibit it, what happens is the price goes up. And the more the price goes up, the more that people are criminals and people who are prepared to use nasty tactics and nasty methods get involved. And the harder the police crack down on it, the more the price goes up and the more violence becomes involved. So if, if you want to take a really sensible, rational approach to it, what you need to do is instead of abandoning our children to street dealers, instead of abandoning this, this six billion pound market to criminals, what you need to do is take it out of the criminals' hands and control and regulate it responsibly. I tell you what is criminal about cannabis, it's how boring it makes people. People are so dull when they're stoned, Peter. Well, that, that you know, Peter, you know they are. They keep banging on about Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix. Well, I think banging on about Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix is a damn sight better than smashing somebody over the head with a bottle because your football team lost yesterday. Well, I, I couldn't argue with that. It, it's only fractionally, though. Dylan's so overrated. It's only stoners <laughs> like him. Well, yeah, but Hendrix isn't. Yeah, well, we could have a whole argument about that, could, could, Peter, one day. Uh, listen, it, it is against the law, and, and whatever kind of my views are on it, it is against the law, so the police do have to, to, to prosecute it. Unless well, the law is changed... The police, the police should be pursuing real criminals, not grandma growing a couple of plants for her arthritis. But I don't think they are pursuing the grandmas with a, with a couple of plants well, for their arthritis, the are they? We get in the local newspapers, that's exactly who they're, who, they're covering, who they're pursuing, because those are the people they catch mainly. I mean, last year, Northamptonshire police, and remember this is a nationwide campaign, Northamptonshire isn't that far, far away from you. Last year, Northamptonshire police issued a statement that the smell of growing cannabis causes cancer. Did they? They did. Well. And, and we, we pursued them through the Police Complaints Commission and, through, and, and the newspapers that published it through the Press Complaints Commission until eventually they had to admit that it was completely wrong, it was a scare story, in fact it was an act of terrorism. And that's pretty much the same thing as they're doing here. They're trying to turn neighbour against neighbour. What they need to do is get off their backsides, go out and catch some real criminals. There is, obviously, there is a lot of misinformation uh, uh, about cannabis. Uh, and having friends who, uh, who have used cannabis and who have fallen foul of, of, of drug addiction, I'm trying to tread around this as carefully as I can because I, I don't want to be one of those, hey man, drugs is bad kind of things. I'm trying yeah. to d d tread around this as carefully as I can. But... Uh, it, it, it's never going to change, is it? It's never going to be legalised. It's always going to be an underground thing. So no, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, you know, as you, as you know, it's been legalised in Washington and Colorado uh, just last November. But no political party in this country is going to do it, Peter, because they would lose too many votes. Well, it's already official Lib Dem policy. Well, yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's all, the, the UKIP policy is to have a Royal Commission on Drugs, and I have personally spoken to uh, Nigel Farage, who has told me that he fully supports Kerr's policies for a regulated cannabis market. The only party which is completely cowardly and won't even talk about the subject is Labour. Uh, even the Tory party, you know, there are people like Peter Lilly, 
uh, um, I can't remember the other chap's name, uh, uh, who, who, who are very keen on, you know, a liberalised, intelligent scheme that will bring in new tax revenue to the, gov to the government and will stop us wasting half a billion pounds a year on police pursuing people growing a few plants. You know, there, there are evil people in the cannabis trade. The way you deal with evil people in the cannabis trade is not to crack down on them harder and harder, which makes them even more evil. The way you deal with those evil people is to take the market away from them. Peter, listen, nice talking to you. Would you do me a favour? Of course. Go and get rid of those Jimi Hendrix records. He's awful. Oh, I couldn't do that. He can't play not the guitar. Not even for you. Not even for you. Oh, Peter, thank you very much. Peter Reynolds from Clear, the Cannabis Law Reform Party. Uh, we've got a couple of comments on these scratch and stuff. I tell you the phone we're not doing. We're, we're never doing should cannabis be legalised. Oh, so you just get a load of boring stoners phoning up who can't... Uh, no, we're, we're never doing that because if we do that, we'll then be talking about sweets from the 70s and your favourite kids' TV shows. Never going to happen. Uh, Reese says, cannabis smells vile. I wouldn't need a stupid scratch card to know what it smells like. And David says, never knowingly smell cannabis, so a scratch card would be good for me. Perhaps I'm in a minor minority. Cat wee smells vile to me, would hate to mix it up. They do smell quite similar. To be honest, they, they, they are vaguely similar, I've been told. Uh, we're talking about this uh, um, £27,000 of Porter's money that's been spent in Hatfield. On, uh, I, I did like the way that uh, Grant Shapps there was, uh, was very open about his, <laughs> his troubles with Dean, the other councillor we spoke to. Oh yeah, Dean, Dean's miserable at everything. They weren't fans of each other. Uh, £27,000 has been spent on... Um, uh, oh, Dean has called back, has he? To say, uh, oh, it's all kicking off, I can't have a fight. Dean's called back to say that he isn't grumpy. And he wasn't grumpy when I spoke to him. Didn't sound grumpy in the slightest. Those were Grant Shapps' words, I should, uh, should hasten to add. I don't think Dean was grumpy. I think he was expressing his, um, uh, his uh, opinions forcefully. We're going to see if we can get them both back on in the future at one point. And I think that'll be a nice little head-to-head -to, -head to get Dean and Grant on together. I thoroughly enjoy talking to both of those gentlemen. Um, anyway, back to this. The, the £27,000 has been spent uh, uh, on um, uh, a portable stage. Dean, the councillor, was saying they should spend thirty grand on a bandstand. Tim in Watford has said, who do they think a bandstand will attract? If you're going to go to a town, that's because you need to buy something. No way anyone is going to go into town to see a crummy bandstand. Tim's kind of confusing the bandstand and the portable stage here slightly. Clearly Grant loves this idea, but who is he to waste all that money? I know Hatfield well, and 100% this is an awful idea. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly got people d d d debating it. What do you think? £27,000 on a portable stage. Is that a, a good spending of money? I mean, the, 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 I, I, what we need to find out is what they're going to have on this stage. Zumba, yeah, maybe three years ago, Zumba would have got people into town. You know, 2009, 2010, but not now. What are they going to have on there? that's going to attract people. I must admit, quite often, when I'm in a town and I see something on a stage, I feel a little bit embarrassed. Do you know, I sometimes feel a little bit, oh dear, that's trying a little bit too hard. Sometimes it's great. In, in Luton, when they had um, the, uh, the Olympic flame, that was great. You had Lewis Hamilton up there, but quite often you think, oh dear. Should we move on quickly, darling? Yes, let's... Travel news now, Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Thank you, Ian. Over in Thame on Oxford Road, there's an accident involving three vehicles at Sycamore Drive near the Lord William School. That's partly blocking the road and it's causing a queue on the approach. In Hemel Hempstead, there was another accident earlier on the A41 into town, which is causing delays still. The accident is being cleared up at the moment, so hopefully traffic will start to ease shortly. The M25 anti-clockwise moving a little bit better, but still patchy delays from Junction 19 for Watford to 15 for the M4. And the M11 into London has delays of nearly an hour between Junction 8 at Bishop Stortford to 6 for the M25, not helped by roadworks blocking one lane. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. We have a summary on Twitter of, uh, <laughs> of my discussion there with uh, the gentleman from the drugs organisation. This bloke is murdering you, Ian. <laughs> Fair play. I'm not quite up to speed with my arguing skills. I'll be, I'll be back on form tomorrow, don't you worry. <laughs> Right, it's 8.46 exactly. It's Tuesday the 19th of March. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Stevenage woman is calling for an overhaul of CRB checks, claiming too much information almost ruined her life. Independent care watchdogs say Milton Keynes Hospital is failing to treat elderly patients with dignity and respect. In sport, MK Dons will be without skipper Dean Lewington for their League One match at Crewe tonight. He's nursing an injury sustained in Saturday's win over Tranmere. Coming up, do you receive cold calls on a regular basis? Well, according to a witch survey, seven out of ten of us have been cold called by companies in the last three months. We'll be talking more about this issue before nine, but let's get the latest weather now. It's Georgina Burnett. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Any mist and fog will be slow to clear, but we should have some bright spells today, but also a fair amount of cloud lingering. Some heavy showers too, with hail and thunder mixed in, and highs of 6 or 7 degrees Celsius. Tonight, any showers should die away, leaving us with a a largely dry night, although some mist and fog will probably start to develop in the early hours, and there's also a risk of some localised frost. Temperatures dipping down to freezing, and tomorrow, a lot of cloud around and wintry rain, which should die down. Down by the early evening. We'll be left with a cold night with some winter flurries. In the day, though, highs of 6 degrees Celsius. Thursday, we have a frosty start. It will be a dry and bright day, becoming windy as we head to the evening. During the night, probably going to have some sleety rain. And then Friday and Saturday, isolated snow showers becoming persistent. This is Georgina Burnett for BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Georgina. Tuesday nights on BBC Three Counties Radio mean one thing. Live football. Live football. And tonight we'll bring you three live games. Three live games. MK Dons make the trip to Crewe. Stevenage are away to Bury, And Luton face Stockport at Kenilworth Road. Plus we'll keep you up to date on Wickham's match at Bradford. Three Counties Sport. Tonight from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give me a call. It's also the number if you want to start racking up your calls for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Now, this morning we've been discussing the way the Portus pilot money is being spent in Hatfield. £27,000 is being spent on a stage which, which will be used for events and fates to attract new people to the town. Carl Welch runs a carpet shop in Hatfield Town Centre and also runs the St John's Youth Centre. Carl, is this a good investment for Hatfield? Uh, basically, no, not really. <laughs> uh, for the last 20 years, we've been waiting for money to be put into the town centre. Um, they've not spent, well, they haven't spent money for 20 years in the town centre. Um, 
John Dean would probably say different, like Councillor John Dean, he'd probably say different, but I'm telling you now it hasn't. I've been in the town centre a long time. You can ask people that live in the town centre. What would you have spent this £27,000 on then if not a portable stage? Well, actually, putting making putting a lick of paint around the place, trying to make it look smart and what it is, making it out, um, make it look smart, sort the pavements out. So there's a lot of things that they're doing in the town centre. I mean, we've been promised money for, like I say, for 20 years. Um, one another thing they've just done, they've just brought in, is parking. The only thing Hatfield had going for at the moment was free parking. Now they brought parking fees in. Oh, they, they, is it, does it come Well, not actually fees. What, what is it? They're putting, like, um, limits on all the car parks, three-hour limits on all the car parks, and that is not a positive thing. Basically, people are going to get tickets in the town centre, and when they forget a ticket, they're not going to come back. Three hours That's is a, quite, quite a long time, though, isn't it? Like, why would, why would anyone need more than three hours? Uh, but it's a lot... I mean, basically, well, they're not offering... The people that actually work in the town centre... They're giving one car park for that, which is not sufficient. There's nowhere for them to park. They're saying they're, they're doing it because of the train station. Um, it's going to be closed. Well, yeah, because I would imagine that, that people would free parking, they'd go and park there all day, jump on the train, go into London or, or to Milton Keynes or, or, or wherever. So maybe that's that might generate a, a turnaround. Yeah, but I people. do understand. I understand that. But what what I don't understand, what I don't like, is the way they're doing it. They're putting. Um, we're putting permits, things. Permits Carl, would you not? Would you not like to see? Well, you come out of your shop on a Saturday lunchtime, and there, in front of you, is a portable stage, and there are people performing zumba on there. Would you? Would you? Would you not like that? Would nah. that not get well, people into well, your I shop? Don't mind it, yeah, but there's other ways of doing it. You could actually put a fixed stage up there if you want to do it, and and there's places to do it, and you don't have to spend twenty-seven thousand pound doing it. And then on top of that twenty-seven pound thousand pound, you've got to then you have to pay to store that place, then you've got to put it up and it's going to cost you £600 every time you put it up, put it down, put it up, put it down. And it's... I mean, there's a lot more... Thing. I mean, they haven't put a lick of paint on the place for all that time. You've only got to look in the town centre. Have a look at the way in the Hatfield housing offices. You look at that, look above it. There's not even a lick of paint above it. You go to Welling Garden City, beautiful. You know what I mean? Have you, spoke, um, have you they're spoken... They're talking about using it on pop-up stalls as well. For the market, well, you know what I mean, there's yes. a lot more better things to spend the money on. Carl, have you spoken to the council about your ideas? Yes, I've been to meeting after meeting. What they do, you'll have a meeting about a meeting about a meeting about a meeting, and don't get nowhere. It's just absolutely. You Do you not think there, there is an argument? There is an argument, Carl. That yeah, you can go around, and you can paint, and you can fix the road and stuff like that. Um, but but maybe towns do need to try something new and innovative to get people in something a little bit different and perhaps a, a stage where they can have music on it or you know demonstrations or maybe even you know celebrities, people off the telly. Maybe that is different enough to to to, to work. Yeah, but what you got to do? Yeah, but you got to look after the people that. Are- that have been in the shops, running the shops for all these years, and put a bit, put a bit of paint around, make it look smarter, make it more presentable for people to walk into the town. If you walk into that town centre at the moment, it's not good. If you, you know, they haven't spent no money for twenty years on the town centre, and if, and not even a lick of paint. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you spent, if you've done the same to a car, what you've done to that town centre. 
that car won't be running now. Carl, listen, thank you very much. We started talking about cars. I've, I've got to get bail out of this conversation. I've, I've done my nutting over cars the last couple of days, really. Carl, thank you very much. Carl Welch runs a carpet shop in Hatfield Town Centre. We did ask uh, someone from Welling Hatfield Borough Council to speak to us. They declined, but they sent us a statement. Um, it's quite long. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, just have a little look at it. The proposal to purchase staging that could be used for events in the town centre was part of the bid for funding under the Portus Initiative. It's also more cost-effective than hiring a stage each time, each time an event is organised. The cost of erecting and dismantling our own one is cheaper, approximately £350 each time. It's a shame that any positive news in respect of the town centre continues to be criticised by a small minority. Um, let's uh, have a look. Oh, yes, look at this. Consumer campaigners say tougher action is needed to stop you, dear listener, being plagued by firms which are cold calling. Seven out of ten of us have been cold, cold called by companies in the last three months. The, the worst ones are those ones when, it's a, when you pick up the phone and it's silent. And that's a computer ringing through to you. And you think, oh, can... And then five seconds later, hello, is that... Oh, sakes. Well, Justin Daly has uh, been out and about this morning. You, 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 you bother people in your own way, don't you, Justin? Uh, I do, Ian, but of course, in a nice way. In uh, a nice in way, In a yes. very nice way. I mean, some people that I've spoken to this morning, they are receiving four to five of these calls every single week. It could be a human being on the other end of that line, or it could be one of these recorded oh, messages. I forgot about the recorded yeah, messages. I just... When, when you get when you go home, all the answer phones flashing, yeah. and it's it's a hello. This is a recorded... Oh, for jog on. Jog on, computer. Delete, delete, delete. Well, I've been asking people this morning, in how they deal with these calls, because a lot of people, of course, want to stop them, but if they can't stop them, what do they say to these people to get rid of them? And this is what people have had to say. Well, Dean, you've got an interesting tactic on how to get rid of these nuisance calls. If it's a lady, quite simply, you start flirting, asking them out, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah and then they sort of, uh, sort of give up when you're really then. <laughs> you start asking about certain parts of their body as well, well keeping yeah. it you know, they, rather clean. Yeah, they've got blonde hair and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. them sort of bits. <laughs> and that soon gets rid of them? Yeah, soon, they soon hang up. <laughs> now, Kath, we're talking about ways to deal with these nuisance calls. I suppose the only way that's worked for you is to change your telephone number. That's because right. now you've changed it, they're not happening anymore. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So, yes, I changed my provider and I've got a new number and miraculously they've stopped. Now, before you changed your number, you registered with the telephone preference service, but again, these calls kept on coming through, didn't they? Yes, they did. Even when I asked people how did they get my number, you know, how come they're calling me when I've signed up, they didn't have an answer to that. So I just politely say, sorry, I'm not interested in hang up. I mean, just lastly, you seem very polite. You seem quite posh, if you don't mind me saying. Even you must have lost the plot a couple of times because these people won't go away. I usually try not to be rude to them, though. I mean, they're just doing a job. Mm. So I usually, I just get cross. So I hang up and then I'll rant and rave <laughs> to my house or to my neighbours or to my friends. But I tend not to lose it to them because, I mean, they are very persistent and obviously they're trained to be. Um, but I usually just say, sorry, and hang up. Because that's the easiest way I've realised. I can't reason with them. They won't, they just always have an answer to come back to you. So I just hang up. Now, Judith, when you get these calls about PPI insurance claims and other nuisance calls, how do you deal with them? I already tell them that I've put a claim through and, it, and it's going through and, and then they just put the phone down. So it actually works for Yeah, you. it works. So you just say, no, don't worry, that, that, that's been sorted for me, I'm in the process and immediately the phone goes down. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> that's a great tip, isn't it? A very simple tip, but you're telling me it works. It works, yeah. 
Hey, Justin, I've got a tip for you. Go on. Never say to someone, oh, you sound a bit posh. I'll tell you why. Go on. <laughs> Everybody sounds posh compared to you. Thank you, Ian. Uh, no, uh, I, I mean thank that. Thank you very much. Do you know what? I need to have a word with the management here because uh, in our radio car, we've got the uh, BBC Three Counties radio brochure now oh. on DAB, yes. Digital Radio. That's us. And uh, on the front, what they haven't done is put the talent on the front, such as Jonathan Vernon Smith or Roberto or Nick Coffin. I'm, I'm on the front, no, aren't Exactly. They, they yeah. put you on the front with uh, a very, very dodgy jacket, um, clearly no makeup and uh, clearly no hair dry that morning. Yes. Hey, listen, yeah. that's a bit below the belt. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, by the way, I listened to you filling in for me yesterday. Thank mm. you very much for doing it short Pleasure. notice. Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Do you it? want to go out for a coffee and I'll kind of <laughs> just, just tell you the bits where... Yeah. <laughs> I say go for coffee, we're like a three-hour yeah. coffee, and I'll yeah, tell you the yeah. bits where maybe you could you went a bit wrong and you could improve slightly. Yeah, so I can do the same for you on this morning's programme. Is it <laughs> <so> okay? <laughs> oh, Dealey, touche, touche. <laughs> Always a pleasure, sir. Speak to you later Thank on. Thank you, Ian. Take care. That's Justin Dealey there. He's a, you see, this is the problem with Dealey, right? He's a good bloke. You, give, you let him host a breakfast show for a morning... He gets, a, he gets a little bit carried away with himself. Cheeky little monkey, wearing his hoodies without any T-shirts underneath. That's what he does. That's what he does. He's a, he's a sly fox. Uh, listen, if you want to uh, get in touch with the show, and uh, a lot of you have recently, and I appreciate it, uh, you can always send me an email. If, you, if there's a, a story that we're not doing, that we're not covering, you can send me a cheeky email, uh, ian.lee, and it's I-A-I-N dot L-double-E, at bbc.co.uk. Just uh, kind of put down uh, uh, who you are and, and what you think. It doesn't need to be big. It could be something that's happening in your house, in your street, in your town or in your county. Uh, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Let me have a little look. Uh, and if it's not for us, I got an email yesterday that, that was, was great, but it, it wouldn't have worked on the show. So I, I forwarded it on to Nick Coffer. They're now appearing on Nick Coffer's show later in the week. Dreams can come true. Look at me. I'm into you. Now, hang on a second. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. We're starting with a serious accident involving three vehicles in Tame on Oxford Road. It's causing queues on the approach in both directions at Sycamore Drive near the Lord Williams School. The M1 southbound is moving slowly on my speed sensors between Newport Pagnell Services to Junction 14 for Milton Keynes. It's also congestion on the A1 Great North Road in Chawston at the Black Cat Roundabout and the M11 into London. That's had severe delays all morning. Traffic is taking nearly an hour to get from Junction 8 at Bishop Stortford to six for the M25 because of roadworks blocking one lane. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk is the way to get in touch if you've got any bits and pieces for the show, or you can follow me on Twitter at Ian Lee. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again to Justin for filling in for me yesterday. Everything's fine and dandy. We'll be up and running all week now. I should be back, inshallah, at six o'clock tomorrow morning. Until then, here's JVS. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday and on today's Big Phone-In. Should the government be helping parents with the cost of childcare? Ministers will announce plans to pay working families 